So would you eat a human if you had to? A live one or like he was already dead? He was dead. The only podcast daring to go over the entire history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way right through to the current day. We are back for an episode recap. We've had a couple of great interviews in the last few weeks, giving you some tastes of people who were there and did things with the show and let you digest it for a couple of weeks. But now we're into Juicy Magoosey when it comes to Australian Survivor Season 1. We are into Episode 7. It's time to merge. First aired on the 3rd of April, 2002. And what an episode. What This is just... We, we mentioned it in our last recap that this is where the game is just getting nice and juicy. And this is where myself and my co-hosts are going to be sitting here and saying, Guys... You haven't watched this show in a long time. You need to watch this. You need to form your opinion a little bit differently and realize what we've got here because there is some good stuff in this episode. My name is Ben Waterworth. Juicy Magoosey. What a way to describe this episode. I couldn't agree with you more, Ben. Hey, guys, as you know, my name's Matt Dyson and uh, what an episode we have for you today. We've seen, we've heard some great interviews with Jack Robin, Sylvan Dorney, but it's merge time, baby. Time to do a recap. Finally, we get to the merge. Aurora all the way. What an episode this is. Absolutely agree. And speaking of Aurora, stay tuned in this episode because we might have something very much closely related to that name that you can get your hands on which is very exciting. You know what we're talking about if you're listening to this show, but just just stay tuned because I need to make sure that we tease it a little bit more. And also, of course, I, I, I didn't do my general duty as a podcast host to let you all know that if you like our show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram. We're on all the podcast channels, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. Smash that like button, smash the subscribe button, give us some feedback, and we would very much appreciate that right now that i've got all that boring stuff over with let's get into the exciting stuff because matt it's it's so interesting to me that as two people bound by this season two people who are celebrating the history of this great version of survivor that we have in our great country of ours that we are the ones the only two people on this great big planet of ours that i feel are trying to really make people aware that, hey, this season's actually pretty good. And this is one of those examples that if you were to go to one of those naysayers, Australian Survivor 2002 sucks, it was boring, there's nothing happened, it was mateship, it was terrible. Show them this episode and you try and get them to form that opinion still. Because this episode, to date when we're recording this, 
this is not like that long after we've just seen the All-Stars merge episode. I'm telling you right now, this episode shat all over the All-Stars merge episode. That's how good this episode is. Oh, ben, it's a great episode. You know, I've really enjoyed going back in time, recapping these episodes. Yes, there was a pagonging. We've seen Kadena absolutely obliterated. But and but I've enjoyed watching it. I've enjoyed recapping it. But we're now at Merge. This is where the game really heats up. This is where, for all those people that, that do love the Season 1 Whaler's Way Survivor, and I know there's a lot more closet fans now that since we've been doing this podcast, this is where it really heats up. And this episode is a great way to start the Merge period of this game. And I think it's really important. You mentioned the word pagonging and... You know, we're all about the context on this show. We're all trying to make sure that people who are listening to these may be revisiting these episodes and kind of form that opinion that context is such an important word and such an important thing to really understand. Because while pagonging really is the dirty word in Survivor, you know, it's something you don't like to mention and you don't ever want to see again. It is something that was prevented by twists and tribe swaps and idols and everything like that in the future. But in 2002, this was pretty standard play. So I think what we're going to learn a lot in this episode is that while you would argue that some of the strategy in particular is very dated, watching this now and thinking to yourself, how does she get away with that when it comes to Katie and things like that? Why aren't these people revolting and going up against her? This is... So standard. This is just how it was played. This would be like looking in 20 years' time if we're still going with any version of Survivor and they've done something so grand and big that tribe swaps and idols are dated. And, you know, how did anybody not do this magical wand trick where they could do something amazing that the twist that hasn't even been invented yet? So. I just wanted to preempt that when we get into this episode because, again, the taintedness of this season. This is where, oh, it's the first three episodes of the merge are boring because it's just clearly going to be Kadena getting picked off one by one. Sure, you can argue that. But some of the stuff we just get forming around this, the the, the fissures that are forming within, um, you know, Tapara and everything else that has been played out here, it's just, it's so important to watch. It's so important how this season is going to come to a crescendo at the end. And I, for one, have always been a person who has that controversial opinion where I don't mind a pagonging. I feel pagongings bring their own entertainment to it. And I'm weird that way, so I maybe am more of an advocate for this than others, but I am just thoroughly entertained by this episode. The one thing that the Pagonging has definitely done in this season is produce a brilliant character in Craig. And that's because if, if his tribe, Kadena, would have would have dominated, we wouldn't have necessarily seen that fighting spirit from Craig. But his tribes let him down. You know, they, they were terrible. And these first three episodes in, in, in the emerged period of this game, I mean, Craig's at his best. This guy is fighting... He's, you know, trying to, you know, get in amongst the Tapara group. He, he's he's letting people know secrets. It's it's amazing play at a period when we necess- we didn't really see that in Survivor. So the fact that that Pagonging happened, it's actually created this awesome character in Craig. 
And let's just say this right now. We've said it plenty of times about Craig being ahead of his time, but this is, I think, where it's important to say, and this is something this season never gets credit for, this season was ahead of its time. Because at the time period in US Survivor, we had seen Australian Outback and Borneo. Not once in either of those seasons did we have a player such as Craig trying to shake it up to the extent that Craig does. Borneo... Everybody on Pagong was too afraid to try and shake that apple cart. They kind of almost just sat back and took it. Yeah, there were some subtle things that they tried to do to change it. You know, oh, there's not an alliance there. But that was more Targi basically forming this narrative that, oh, there's no such thing as an alliance. What are you talking about? Uh, and then on Australian Outback, okay, Elizabeth sort of tried her best to do it kind of as things went on a little bit with that. But they were all kind of just, you know, resigned to the fact that they're gone and yeah, you can argue that Kadena sort of know that, but we'll get to it in this episode. Craig lays an absolute bomb in this episode when it comes to his conversation with Joel, a conversation that is going to stick to this game like absolute superglue. So I think it's so important for people to understand that this season was so much ahead of its time. Another thing I love about this season is the fact that it's, it's old school rules, which means past votes matter they count when if there's a tied vote and in this episode we see katie gold she's thinking she knows that past votes matter so to see that interaction with these three you know last kadena members and katie's coming up with this plan to divert votes off her and rob uh it, it's brilliant and it's something that people forget i, I forgot until i rewatched this season recently and it, it's another element to the game we don't have anymore and it's it's actually fascinating that um you know this was airing sort of just after Africa had finished, but obviously these people were watching Africa as they were filming it. So that's when I say kind of at this context, like yeah, okay, you can argue that there was a bit of that in Africa, absolutely, because you had the whole pass vote thing where sort of you know Lindsay and Brandon were just sort of getting votes put on them because everyone else hated them, uh you know, and like T Bird was trying to shake things up by dumping a vote on Lex to sort of shake things up. So I understand that context, but. These guys playing it hadn't seen that before, so that's where I'm trying to say that. But, you, I mean, you're absolutely right, and, and that's going to be a very heavy conversation point in this episode, is that whole section around Katie and sort of her, her treatment of the Kadena 3, because, again, this is where I think people watching this with a modern lens are going to be thinking, like, wow, she's terrible. Like, what is she doing? Like, how do the Kadenas not, you know, strike up and go against this? Why does Karen go along with this plan at the end? But again, the context of the time period, there's nothing really that Kadena could do. So, like, that, that's, that's why it's so important to fully understand that. Another thing I want to say, too, we, we know about the famous five, but as a little tribute to Karen, she mentions at the end, she refers to the, the Kadena three as the three musketeers, Ben. So, as a little tribute to Karen during this episode... Anytime we need to uh, talk about the Kadena Three, I'll be uh, referring to them as the Three Musketeers. Who are the Three? Like, what are their names? Do you remember the Three Musketeers' actual names? Oh, in in the actual movie? No, I don't. <laughs> you put me on the spot there. I all I know is the Three Musketeers right now is Craig, Naomi, and Kara, and that's all that matters to me. I've got to say, I like the Famous Five better. Um, it had Sylvan <laughs> in it, so um, you know, and Deb. Oh, of course, of course, and. And it had that theme music to go. How with did that it. theme how music go? Uh, oh. <laughs> how good was that theme Timmy music? Timmy the dog. Uh, oh, that's all I can shit. remember. And also, just really um, quickly, 
Uh, this is a complete tangent because I want to get into this episode, but just thinking of Sylvan, um, I have watched so many KFC ads in the last week. Uh, I can't eat KFC being on keto, so you know how bad that is for somebody who's trying to find his appearance in this KFC ad. So, Sylvan, mate, please drop us a drop us a bit of a hint, mate. Like, you know, give us a give us a a bone to sniff on a little bit more. I've been looking up sale, uh, Wheel of Fortune <laughs> on YouTube. I've been watching uh, uh, Double Deck. Can I just say, I don't want to ever see another episode of Double Deck. Oh, my God, that show's Dare. terrible. It, it was, t- and the host was terrible. <laughs> yes. And it was just trying to find Sylvan in these episodes. You start digging, you're like, holy shit, what, what are we watching? But How do we live we, in we, the we, 90s we and 80s with this TV? Like, oh, my God. Um, that terrible. host of Double Dare, tell you what. He's on Ben Dark levels of awkwardness. Um, oh, it's it's random. That's all. Listeners, do, do us a favour. Pause this right now. Don't stop. Just pause it. Go to YouTube and Double Dare Australia. Have a quick listen and then come back to this because it is weird. Yeah. Uh, he, he was the Ben Dark of the 80s. <laughs> That's... Oh. Whoever he is, he's probably. I mean, who is this guy? I, I, anyway, tangent, tangent aside, let's get into the episode and sort of. It's it's a very long uh, intro because this is this is one thing too that I like about this episode: the old school merge because we don't really get a sense of when the merge is going to be. Now it's sort of you kind of get a bit of an inkling of when a merge is, but it's it's generally the whole promo lead into a drop your buffs and all this sort of stuff. But again. As an old school fan, I, I loved this notion where basically they knew when it was going to happen. It was kind of, they they, they absolutely knew. So the, they kind of just, you get the start of this episode where it is legitimately just sort of a bit of a, oh, you know, we don't know how we feel right now. Um, you know, it's going to happen at some point, all this kind of fun stuff. And, um, you know, eventually it sort of leads into this scramble, you know, five minutes to get to the tree and going all that sort of stuff there. But, um, you know, sort of in between this, we get a lot of character, great character moments uh, on both of the tribes. But I do I do love, um, you know, a real quick fire. You've got five minutes, get to the tree, do this, do that, because there's just something about that. There's maybe this is the old school fan of me. I do love this version of it when they do emerge. I agree. I love the, the the scramble to pack everything up, and the fact that they they generally have genuinely have to walk and find their their new tribe. But before I say that, what the hell was Joel drinking in that bottle? Was that if that was water? And it must have been water because we see it a little bit later on in in the episode. We see Shona trying to flament it, like well, to try to drain it. Is that is that the water they were drinking? Look. I don't know. And the thing is with this scene, like, I've watched this episode twice in the last week, and it wasn't to the second viewing that I actually caught the extra bit to this. Now, I don't know if you noticed it at all. The spider on the bottom of the... of the You did notice that? I didn't notice that the first time around. So, like, I... I am intrigued to think that, like, he's kind of a bit grossed out because he's water. Maybe they didn't have fire at the time, so they couldn't boil it. So, like, let's just drink it there. But the thing I've got to be asked about the situation... Is that spider real or is that like, because they say something like, oh, you, that's Lance's special. I almost feel like that's a fake spider that Lance has put in there to scare him. I'm glad you brought that up because exactly like you, I'm not sure. I rewound it multiple times trying to trying to work out if it was real or not. And and you're right. They they do mention about it's Lance's sort of yeah joke or whatever. So, so I'm assuming it may have been fake. We'll have to ask Lance uh, when we get him on. But um Man, if that 
we know this was a tough season and the, the, the shitty camps, how cold it was. But, man, if that's the water they were drinking, fuck me. Like, that shit's on modern-day Survivor. And I understand why they don't do that on modern-day Survivor. And I'm very thankful that I didn't have to drink that water on my season. But holy shit, no wonder they were doing it rough. I mean, no wonder Sylvan had a fantasy world because if that's the water they're drinking every day. E. coli or man, something. Man, no wonder they were, <laughs> half of them were ready to go home after 12 days. Man, I, that, that, I mean, that's, it's a different, and it is, it's a difference to old school Survivor yeah. to modern day Survivor. And I understand why they do things differently now because they don't want people to get sick because if people are sick, it doesn't make for great television. But man, all credit to those. To to, the, to those you know survivors those sixteen survivors that were were doing it in the in the original two thousand or two thousand one when they filmed it because man that's um that's full on and to be honest that is what I love about Survivor I love the fact that you you apply for a show knowing that you're going to be in harsh conditions like that that's to me is one of the things that really drew me to this show and why I love it so much and it is disappointing we don't get that now so to be able to rewatch this. And and see that I mean it's it's pretty full on. I completely agree, and that's I'm with you 100 percent that I'm one of these fans who you know from the beginning, and this is what a large portion of this show was was living on the land, seeing how you would cope with this something that you just never get anymore because again, it's all about the game plan, the strategy, and I think we've just lost that aspect of it. But yeah, it's and I, I also have to wonder with that water is maybe that was a day that uh, Tapara didn't get their water, so that was kind of it. Like, you know, they, they just have to do. They're so thirsty out there that, that you just got to make do with it. I don't know. But, yeah, it is, it is kind of very gross, that that bottle of everything as well. well we, we, we see it later from Shona, mm. and she has one water container, and she has, like, a T-shirt or something over it, and she's, like, pouring it into, like, and, and then the T-shirt's covering another barrel, and then she's pouring it into the shirt to try to get out, I guess, any dirt to try to get out any dirt to make the water clean but man if, yeah if that's what they had to do to get water a uh, water oh, credit yeah. i also credit. i also like a couple of bits here before we get to to lincoln um again we get a lot of craig this episode of you know i'm gonna do it i'm gonna win all the uh the immunities and i like i actually really appreciate that this is another one of those moments where i feel it's important to give credit to the editing which is again something we don't do a lot of in this season because there are definitely issues with it but it's you know, kind of dropping that hint. It's that subtle little, you know, red herring. And you're thinking like, oh, maybe he can. You know, this is in abundance in modern day Survivor, of course, now where every single vote out has to be like, I'm voting out David. Well, actually, no, maybe we're going to vote out, you know, Henry. Like it's kind of, you know, it's it's just, it's done that. So the audience is guessing when at the end of the day, if you've watched Survivor long enough, it's kind of obvious who is going home, you know, 95% of the time. But, you know, this is something that, again, fresh, new, no one thought it, you know, was thinking anything different at this point. So people legitimately were thinking, maybe he will. Maybe he, he could win them all because, you know, if anyone's going to do it, it, it's going to be Craig. I also love the moment where they're doing the hair and we get the whole, your hair's a bit like Ray Martin's hair. You know how it never moves? And we're back to some absolute clangers from Rob Dixon in this episode. We've missed our Rob Dixon mic drop moments, but he's on fire this episode, is old Rob. No, Rob has a, a great episode and it's another great episode for him because it, it and it's a great episode for us to watch because the way he interacts with his tribe mates, you can see why he gets to the end and win. Oh, was he ever really in doubt to get to the end? Like he no matter what the situation, even when the new when the Kadena members come in, he just he just knows how to talk to people and that's his strength. You know, like 
we never saw him completely dominate in challenges or anything like that, like where you would think an ex-AFL player like he would, but it, that wasn't his game. His game was social. We all, we all talk about modern-day players now and, and, and how social they are, but this guy, like, that was his strength. Like, he knew how to talk to people, and, um, and, and it shows in this episode. And this is, again, where he ticks all the boxes. He is the complete survivor player because he's got the social, he's got the strategy, and he's got the physicalness of everything as well because you're right, the social game, and there's so many elements of this episode that just shows so much about his social game that just everybody is kind of drawn to him and just everything about that. And no one even sort of sort of wants to target him when it is even mentioned that, oh, we thought that Rob was the guy that, you know, people would target sort of Kadena slightly onto it. And we'll get to sort of Katie's, you know, handling of that. But then you, you even look at his strategic side of things. I mean, we talk about, you know, um, uh, Matt Rogers being the godfather and Australian survivor. I'm sorry, Rob Dixon is the original Godfather. There's one scene in this uh, this episode which he's just Godfather-esque so much. And then you also, like, the subtlety of Rob Dixon in this episode to put Craig under the bus and people fall for it hook, line, and sinker. Like, it's just, it's brilliant. It's so good. This guy, so on the ball with every aspect of his game and just, once again trying to defend this season, this is where it's so important for Australian Survivor fans to understand just how good this guy was and how sad it is to this day that we do not have him with us because I have to wonder that if he was still around, maybe Channel 10 could have thought something different because he kind of feels a lot of quota that Channel 10 go for, don't they, when it comes to sort of that professional athlete background and everything else along those lines. So I'm not saying they would have, but I just you have to wonder if maybe there would have been a bit more of a chance had Rob been around. It would have been the true test of how, how you know how far they're going to go to to disregard the Channel 9 season because you're right, if Rob Dixon was around, he he ticks all the boxes. Um he's the ultimate player. Um so if they were still going to ignore him, well, then no one from any old school would. It, it, it really is like they just don't even want to mention it because he would have had to return, let's be honest. Like he would have had to, and it would have been the elephant in the room if he hadn't. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's, he, he's, he is the original godfather. And you think about, too, uh, one of the great moments, if people haven't listened to our Sylvan interview, by all means, please go download it. It's a great interview. And Sylvan brought up last week sort of, you know, in relation to watching modern day Survivor, that it's almost a bit offensive that kind of, you know, you have people like Nick in All Stars saying like, you know, we are the OGs, you know, I'm the OG, I'm from season one, when it's kind of, it's not the case. And I definitely feel if Rob was still with us, that Rob would easily be one of those people, uh, you know, advocating like, hey, hang on a minute, because obviously, you know, his, his brother is still very active on social media and all that sort of stuff, so, and he's still advocating for Rob, which is fantastic. But, um, yeah, anyway, well, this is this is Rob's uh, such a shining moment for Rob. And, uh, you know, we've obviously got plenty to talk to when it comes to that. Um, now, I'm sure you've written it down, but I've actually got the screenshot here in front of me of, of what the uh, the tree mouse says. You, you, uh, this is your thing each week, Matt. I feel like you need to read this out. Are you trying to cut my grass, yes. Ben? You're too good at your you job, know Matt. This is, you know this is my thing. I know I suck when I try to do the impersonations. I can't do impersonations. But I am going to read the uh, the first tree mail. So this is after they've just uh, so they're running around. Uh, they they packing up. They packed up their camp. All that. So the first tree mail. Gather your goods. Your time here is done. 
Farewell your camp and prepare to run. You have just five minutes to flee and await instructions at the dead tree. Poet. How'd I go, Ben? You're almost <laughs> Sylvan-esque with your, uh, your rhymes there, you know? I, I feel we could <laughs> turn this into a rap song. I think maybe if, uh, you know, we get our good old editors a uh, bit of a extra, you know, a bit of coin under the table, we can turn some of these into some raps at the end. That would be, uh, that'd be fun. One thing, actually, I want to say I appreciate as well. They kind of did lose it in Australian Outback, but uh, I do appreciate that no one refers to it as the merger. If you remember Borneo, everyone referred to it as the merger. Uh, so we, we don't have that in the, anymore. Didn't they? Just getting off track a little bit. It's been a, it's been probably four years or so, three, four years since I've watched the original Borneo one. But didn't, I mean, they got rid of some dodgy shit out of that. So it wasn't, didn't, as you walked in the tribal, everyone had to like ring the the bell or something like oh yeah i'm glad there was some good things that they tweaked the gong yeah and luckily they uh they had the conch shell which only lasted about two episodes i think uh they kind of had to hold the shell when they talked so and the cheesy chest of a million dollars sitting there next to baby face probst (laughs) i didn't mind the chest actually i didn't like Yeah, no, there are some things better left in the past. Uh, but uh, speaking of of pros, go, sorry, go ahead, Matt. Yes, absolutely. I want to hear your your no, brilliant no, mind gonna... expand on a thought. No, I was just going to say something. I, I I wish I mentioned at the very start of this episode. Oh, we see a lot of Lincoln in this episode, and any episode where you see a lot of Lincoln, that's an episode I love. This guy is gold during this episode. I love... We're going to go through it all, but we see a lot of Lincoln. Well, this, Good Lincoln times. And, and on this, like, it's actually great segue, mate, because Lincoln, he's looking pretty good here with his fresh, breast, crisp shirt that's just come out of a packet from Big W over there in Port Lincoln. Like, it's just... It's beautiful. Like, Lincoln's had a shower. He's, he's... No wonder he's about to be a dick to these contestants in about two minutes' time. And, like, this is... Like... You're 100% right. A lot of Lincoln. And Lincoln's, like, towing the line of Dick Lincoln and just everybody loves Lincoln. And let's just give this guy some props because, again, I feel like, yeah, we're sucking up to the guy. We know he's our only listener. How are you doing, Lincoln? I hope you're having a good time over in the States. But, I like, I, I love the fact that, like, he's just got something about him that is just so... You just connect with him, like... I love Probst. I'm still maybe one of Probst's biggest defenders to this day. But, like, I don't feel you got this level of human to Probst in Borneo. Like, I just, I don't think you did. Whereas Lincoln is just, he's just, he's the cool dad that's out there looking after his kids, making sure they're having a good old time and looking good in his powder blue big W shirt out there in the beaming hot sun of Whaler's Way. What a, what a man. Lincoln, you are you are a, a, a legend, my friend. And if we ever end up ranking the hosts of Australian Survivor, it's going to be very tricky because I am so partial to this man. Dicko's probably on the bottom. Sorry, Dicko. But, like, let's be honest. When it comes to the top two, it's going to be tricky. I think it's almost unfair to even rate Dicko because, as you've said before, he's on another planet. So <laughs> Literally. He's on planet. I don't even planet. know if you can. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, we, 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 we see Lincoln. He announces the merge. And, okay, so we've got a lot to talk about here, Ben, because this is that moment. Okay, it's the moment we find out the new tribe colour, the new tribe name, so that they don't get to choose the name. It's 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 told to them what the name is, which is Aurora. And I must say, I actually love that name. It's a great name. Of, it's actually it's a, great a name. really great name. So maybe Stephen Peters came up with it and thought, no, that's too good. We're not we're not giving these these chumps a chance to 
ruin that. So, so they've given him a name. I don't have a problem with that. You know, I think it is nice to be able to name in the tribe, but sometimes you get some stupid names. So Aurora, I'm all about that. It, it, it's all to do with the nautical theme too. It was the name of a boat, I believe. Um, and it's very Australian, just to interrupt you. I mean, God, you think of Aurora, you think of the Aurora Australis, you know. Um, yeah. We had a, I know, we had a power company in Tasmania called Aurora, you know, and like it's just, it's it's one of those words to me that is is symbolises Australia. I think of the word Aurora, I think of Australia. So I think that it actually is a great name to really tie into that, that vibe of Australian Survivor. The colour of the... Um... The, the Aurora tribe, it's it's grey. I've always – this is an interesting one as well, and I want to talk about this because it's one that I've never understood. I I, I, I think why would you pick grey? Like why grey for a colour of a tribe? We, we've never seen it again. It's always, you know, green, yellow, red, um, which I love those colours. But I've always wondered grey. However, sitting here now, it – I actually don't mind it. I, I something there's something about it. I, it's different now, but this is a big thing, Ben. There was never any Aurora buffs. We we've talked about this before. What's your? Is it a blight on the season that there was never any Aurora buffs? Nowadays, yes. Looking back on in hindsight, absolutely. Uh, at the time. I don't know if I ever noticed. Um, I don't know if anybody noticed, um, which it would be interesting to kind of speak to a few of the fans to see how they felt about it at the time. But it, it's it's odd. It is a very odd decision because a, a buff is a much a part of Survivor as the words the tribe has spoken, um, you know, as as the word tribe. as Like, it's just, it symbolizes Survivor. Most people out there, you hear the word buff, and when you're explaining buff, a lot of people say, oh, those things that they wear on Survivor. You know, it's it's symbolic of this show. And that's that's part of your journey on the show, that to reach merge, you get a brand new buff. Like, that. that is kind of a symbol of, of making it that deep. You know, you've got this, this clean, fresh piece of material that you can wear. It smells great. You know, it feels good on your skin. You get rid of this dirty one that you've been wearing for 19 days prior to that. And it's a new phase of the game. And also, most importantly, it, it brings two tribes together and you're all wearing the same colours. You know, this this symbolises that you're no longer two tribes, that you're one tribe together. And that, to me, is maybe where it is the most disappointing because you legitimately have these players walking around camp you know, you've got seven Tapara blue buffs staring in the face of three Kadena green buffs. And, like, to those Kadena members, they don't already need reminding that they're in trouble when you've still got this. It's it's like if, if all of a sudden tomorrow South Sydney merged with Cronulla, yet seven, you know, the majority of the team was South Sydney and only a few dregs were Cronulla. You don't. You're all going to be wearing a brand new jersey, aren't you? You're not going to be wearing the majority of South Sydney jerseys, and then you know slowly getting rid of the Cronulla blue. It's it's, it's not going to happen, is it? You just said Kadena was green. Did I? I know we. I know we've had this argument because the very first episode Lincoln referred to him as green. But come on, Ben. We know they're yellow. 
I I am apparently I've lost my vision and my colour blindness uh, when it comes to this. So there's always going to be that debate whether they'll green or yellow. It, it's it's something that will last forever. I thought it was It'll the other way around, that. Matt. I thought it was not yellow and it was green because I'm looking at this. This is green. You are bullshit. That's what I, the way bullshit. I thought it is. I thought it was the other way around. No. <laughs> have I lost I t- my okay, marbles? I- you you have lost your marbles. Um, now I know we're gonna. I know you're gonna mention it at the end of this episode, but fuck it, I'm gonna mention it now. I'm sitting here in an aurora buff. I'm doing this podcast right now with an aurora buff on my head, and this is what I'm saying about the grey colour and how I was always a bit like, oh, like why did they go with that colour? It looks awesome, Ben. I got to admit, I love this buff. Mm-hmm. It the colour with the logo. It actually looks really good, and it ships me more now knowing that and having these buffs that they didn't have them out at Whaler's Way, and it will always annoy me. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just hung up over this yellow-green thing. Um, I, 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 like, am I just losing my mind in my old age? I haven't even so, had my birthday yet. What's going on? So in episode one, Lincoln calls it green, but we've discussed this in his interview and that's it. We, it's yellow. I'm, now you're trying to, after all these months, you're now trying to say it's green? No, no, no. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm confusing myself. This is all down to me just being an idiot. I'm literally going back to my notes here for our Lincoln episode. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, you're right, because it's got here green buffs, question mark. I'm an idiot. What is wrong with me? How? I, but legitimately, looking in this light, this looks green. So I can see, like, well, I, well, I must have lost my colour, colour blind, well, non being blind. I don't even know what I'm saying right now, Matt. So, well, well so, you're flustered. You're fl- Let I me am. take over here for a second. Please. You, 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 we know that someone on production, no one's ever admitted who it was, but someone on production said that they're definitely dull green and told Lincoln to say green. However, listen to go back and listen to his interview if you haven't already, guys. Lincoln said he always knew they were yellow, and everyone else knows that were yellow. But maybe in different light, maybe when the, someone in production had them in the box and they opened it up, maybe the lighting wasn't too good. And they're like, oh, they're green, called them green, and then when they got them out in the sunlight, they were yellow. Who knows? But, but Ben, yeah, you, they're definitely yellow, mate. I have to say, I'm the person who edits these episodes. You would think that um, I would edit this out to make myself not sound stupid and we could forget this ever happened. But um... Hey, you know what? It doesn't even matter what colour they are, Ben. We're sitting here and we're both... Sitting here in grey aurora buff. That's my all purple. That right it's now, purple, mate. right? This is what colour it is. Uh, but no, like in all seriousness, like back to the point. I think that you know, yeah, the grey is definitely something that is, you know, not on paper the greatest colour for a tribe. But I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's different. It's, it's unique. Like back in the Survivor Oz days, we used to joke. We'd have the our preseason episode, and one of our questions we would sort of do for a guessing game is what colour is the merge tribe going to be. And we got a bit, you know, silly a lot of the time. We'd say, like, clear, newspaper print, like, you know, just being a bit dumb. But there was actually, I think, a large push for a lot of the time from US Survivor fans of why haven't we ever had a white buff? And on paper, it's obvious, you know, white's going to be incredibly dirty. It's, you know, it's not going to show great on television. But, yeah, I think since we've seen these Aurora buffs in the flesh, and, yes, this is a subtle way of teasing that we're going to be mentioning a little bit more about this at the end, because stay tuned. Um you know, they do look a lot better in person, I think, than a lot of people would have given them credit for. But, it, I mean, it, it's incredibly unique. I, I, I've not watched any other versions of Survivor outside of Australia, New Zealand, or, or America, so I, I don't 100% know if there's ever been a grey 
buff or colored tribe in the history of Survivor around the world, but at least for these three versions, it's the only one that they've ever had. I'm always one who likes a new color. You get so stock standard colors now in the majority of of Survivor versions, so you're just kind of used to it because I guess how many colors are there at the end of the day. But um, yeah, it's unique. It it really is very unique, um, you know, to have this. Another thing that was unique, when Lincoln announced that they'd made merge did you notice there, there was no real excitement like obviously now like excitement from the players like now it's a big thing if you make merge everyone's hugging we just saw it on all stars everyone's hugging congratulating for, for a lot of people that's the one goal that they go on the show not everyone because everyone a lot of, as ak said it doesn't matter where you come you play to win but some let's be honest some players play they're happy with making merge which um so it, 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 it is a checkpoint in the game. It yeah. is. Everyone knows that. It is a checkpoint in the game. So, and there's always that excitement that, oh, you've made it. You've made it to merge. We didn't see that. When, when Lincoln announced he'd made merge, they all just stood there. No one really showed any emotion. Which we had a mention, was it last episode or the episode before? I think it was Craig was talking about how, like, some people just want to make the merge. Like, we definitely got somebody saying that in this season. But I think a lot of that does come down to, again, just using the repeating myself version of this is that it is the time period. Like it it wasn't as known. I think a lot that how big of a deal this was, because I think we saw that at the beginning of the episode where they were a little bit confused. They didn't really know what was happening. So kind of when it happened all of a sudden, it was like, Oh, okay, great. This has happened because even Borneo and Australian Outback, there's not that super level of excitement. I mean, yes, there is more than you do see in this. But I also put that down to the fact that these guys have been out there for 19 days in this, you know, terrible landscape, uh, you know, living in freezing conditions in this shit, you know, area that they're filming in. And I think a lot of that comes down to a lot of people complain that, you know, some of this cast is boring, nothing really happens. And I, again, put that purely down to the location because you just you saw it in Joel. Like before when we're talking about Joel drinking that water and you just even the way they react and they're just so just so like mundane and downbeat. And that's going to change when they have this shower in a minute. So I think a lot of it is mixed with the old school version that we're in and also mixed with the fact that these guys are just fucking done at this point. Well, another good thing that happens with this whole merge now, we, we, we get a new camp. So... The, the, the remaining 10 players, they get a brand new camp and that finally they can go fishing whenever they want and they can go collecting water whenever they want. So there's none of this alternate day crap. Finally, they get a better, they get a better camp that's closest, closer to the ocean and they can, they can go get food and water whenever they want. And I've got to admit, we'll get to it shortly, but it's a good looking camp too. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing too, again, so a lot of uh, our newer school fans who may be uh, not familiar with old school Survivor is that the Merge Feast wasn't really a thing back then. So kind of they get a little bit of an incentive here. They get, you know, rice to last them for the rest of the game. They get some flour. They get fruit and nuts. So it's sort of, it's a little bit of an incentive, you know, but clearly this is old school. You're surviving off the land. You know, this is what's going to happen. And look, as much as I appreciate a good Merge Feast, it's a bit of fun it's breaking bread you know all this kind of stuff it's great but i'm also a traditionalist i like this like guys you're still fucking out there for another 20 days suck it up have a bit of fruit and just get back into the game did you like the fact too that they they get a map and there's there's little things that they collect along the way to their new tribe so they generally they they actually have to yeah i do too they have to actually walk to their camp 
and and they get to on the map they get to locate things that will you know help them for their new camp along the way that's another thing now they just off screen they hop into a car and drive them to the to the next beach or whatever and that's it this this is like you know with africa and all that it's it's great to where you actually get to see the contestants pack up their stuff collect a few items on the way have a map where they've actually got to get themselves to their new camp so work out so it could take them an hour or so and and then start at their new camp i love it i i'm so with you because like this is again uh, to, to put this into when we're watching this this is brand new like this is what as you mentioned before, Survivor was this in the day. It was kind of, it was about that Survivor aspect. We knew nothing overly about idols and blind sides and all this kind of stuff. So this is what we were wanting to see. And like, don't get me wrong. It's so clear as day why they moved away from this because there's no way, let's look at in the US version, that you're going to have 40 seasons of people doing this. It's going to get tiring. You need to spice it up. So I understand that. But this is raw. This is this is what I like. I, I love when people have to go find something. There's a map, grab this on the way, do this, do that. Like, this is what... It, it excites me seeing this now. And to me, like, it just it puts me back in that place, watching this for the first time and really getting involved in it. So, yeah, I, I love this. I, I really love that element. And it's that social aspect too because, let's be honest, for the first time, Tapara are getting to, you know, meet Craig. They're getting to meet Karen. They're getting to meet Naomi. And we're going to get a lot of sound bites here across the way where it's sort of, you know, people saying, like, oh, I'm really intrigued to meet, you know, Craig. He's one I'm wanting to be talked to and that. It's going to be so different today in Emerge because people are going to be scrambling doing this. It's all about the strategy, getting the numbers, swaying people over. But this is more of a social aspect, survival aspect, and it's not really strategic at this point, but it's still very fun to watch. But is that where there's a downfall in the modern-day Australian survivor? You mentioned briefly earlier about with Harry going in All-Stars and and Nick and that. We we knew that they were the clear vote, but they've got to spend the whole episode trying to convince us it's going to be someone else, even when we know it's not. Like, even the worst Survivor fan in history, the most casual fan, they knew who was going home. But they have to try to... They they have to try to... you know, almost throw down this this alternate option down our throat to get us to half believe it so they can sell an episode. And that's because they don't have these other elements to the game anymore. They don't have the element of you now got to get yourself to the next camp or you're all hungry or showing that. They don't show or you're going to go fishing and collect fish, otherwise you're going to be eating rice and go hungry. They don't have any of that now. So instead... They've got to try to work out, well, shit, this is an easy episode. They, clearly, there's a person on a chopping block who's going home, but we can't show anything else. So we've now got to try to sell this narrative that's never going to happen to try to get an episode to fit the, the 60 or 90 minutes. 100%. And I think at the end of the day, we're watching a TV show. We all know that. But Modern Survivor, and this is the key difference, and this is where it's important when to, to realise how Australian Survivor has never had that extended period to develop into the modern Survivor it is today. US Survivor has had that. So when, when Survivor, of course, first started, this was a social experiment. This was a game that no one had a clue what it was. And what the draw card was, of course, initially, was watching these people you know, interact, live off the land, and then have to vote each other off. That was a selling point. Nobody knew on that very first season, what was going to come out of that. And that's what Richard Hatch did. He, he he helped create this strategic game where it was about alliances. It was about forming these groups. It was about, you know, being brutal and voting these people out. And that's developed into what we have today with American Survivor and all that game plan strategy. 
Australian Survivor has just, when it's come back on Channel 10, it's just gone, boom, this is what Survivor is. It's about blindsides. It's about voting people out. This is what the game is. So let's show that 25 times in a season. So that's why you've got modern players like Nick, Harry, David, Henry. All they're about are voting people out, blindside, strategy. That is what they think Survivor is. And that is what I guarantee you... 80% of modern Australian Survivor fans think is the game's about. But my argument, as always, you tell me out of the four Channel 10 Australian Survivor winners, who has ever won playing that way? They haven't. And this is what it all forms back into what Survivor is at its core, is a social game of people living off a land, surviving, and then having to force their way through all these conditions to eventually win. Because it's not all about that strategy. So you're absolutely right. We're in this modern day version of the game now where it's all about, you know, showing us who's voting out all this and we're never seeing this aspect of it. We're never seeing the survival. But this is where things like this are formed. This is where those relationships and those bonds and those little moments that eventually lead to somebody voting for somebody to win at the end are formed. But who cares? Because it's not flashy. It's not someone playing an idol. It's not somebody going behind a back and potentially voting it out. This is a huge tangent that we're going on here, Matt, but I think it's very very important to understand that and particularly with Australian Survivor that we have just never had that long stretch for it to form naturally and we're just kind of forced into that modern version no matter what it is very important to talk about because it is a part of that history we're we're talking about and and yes we're here to do a recap but we're also here to talk about the 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 history of the game and what it was back then to what it is now Um, so I think it's a very very important subject to bring up and don't get me wrong, I'm all for the game, you know, progressing over the years. It has to. And yes, Survivor now isn't about starving and all that stuff. But the problem with it now is it could be great for many episodes, but once you get to a, a, a period in the game where there's clearly the, a pecking order and certain people are going to be going home and we all know who they're going to be, it's hard for them to edit around that because they're trying to sell you something that everyone knows isn't going to happen, but they can't fill it with any of that other stuff with the game was originally built on because they can't just pop that in all of a sudden because they're like, well, where's this come from? So it does actually make them harder to fill an episode and they, 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 they have to fill you with lies and shit to, to, to fill that episode. And then of course the person we all know goes home. That's, so I think it's important we do talk about that, and, and we obviously have, because it shows you the game, what it was in 2002, to what it is now in 2020. And also, too, it's today, Survivor is a well-oiled machine. They know how to edit it. They know how to portray people. They know how to advertise and promote people. I'm not going to go on my usual rant about how I think that's done poorly today to what it was, you know, in different versions and that sort of stuff. But it's it's a well-oiled machine. They've been doing this now. Reality TV is more than 20 years old, essentially. They know how it works. 2002, it was brand new. This was the first time it was being done. People did it in a different style. I, I guarantee you if Channel 10 were able to get their hands on the raw, unedited footage from Whaler's Way and edited it into what we know today, people would love it. It would be done so differently, and it would be done in such a way. 
the exact same way that if you could get a time machine, get somebody from 2002 from Channel 9 to get all the raw footage from All-Stars and bring it back and edit it into what was then the norm, completely different season. And this is where, again, it's all about that development and moving it along because we're watching this in almost that documentary style, you know, chronological order style. And we've talked about that a lot in some of these recaps, how there's no way this scene would be shown then in modern day Survivor. They would edit it around it to kind of fit more of a a story that suits what they're trying to tell that week. This is legitimately like you've gotten point A, point B. This is what was filmed between days 19 and 22. We have to show it in this order order to make it natural and like that's it so yeah like you're you're 100 right like sure it's a tangent but we've also got to you know compare it the thing that i was thinking of there sort of through all this discussion and i think this is a is an interesting way of looking at it Let, let's take star wars for example the first time you see star wars and when it's released in 1977 you have the empire strikes back you have return of the jedi this is brand new you've never seen anything like this before this is incredible what are they doing wow my mind is blown i am hooked and then all of a sudden you know 40 50 years later you're getting disney they're doing these newer ones old school star wars fans are going to enjoy it but they're going to bemoan this isn't what it was like when i was younger they're going to criticize it they're going to say all these things wrong with it, but it's not going to be new and fresh. It can't be that way anymore because we know what it is. We know what to expect. But the positive to come out of that though, and this is where I sort of bring it back to compare it to Survivor, is that I still enjoy Modern Survivor just like you enjoy Modern Survivor. You've played Modern Survivor. You had that experience. We still enjoy it for what it is. But of course we're going to be like, oh, it wasn't like it was back in the day. There's all these problems. Look at all these younger fans who have joined the show now because of this, because of newer US Survivor. They're going to, you know, this is what they're used to and connected to, and it's keeping those fans. And this is exactly what development does when it comes to a show like Survivor. It has to adapt and move along and change and keep it fresh to bring these fans. And that is one thing that's a huge positive about having Australian Survivor the way it is now because they do keep it loosely associated with how US Survivor is. And again, there wasn't that natural transition into this modern version, but you've still kept those fans. And no matter what we say on this show, no matter what we're trying to entice you in, there's no question in my mind, in your mind, that it is fantastic that we can sit here and even talk about this the fact that we have this fan community, this fan base that Australian Survivor is just fresh and alive and let's be honest, at the the peak right now that it's ever been due to what Channel 10 has done and it's important to acknowledge that as well. That's a huge tangent, but I just felt the need to say it, Matt, because I feel like I'm Mr. Negative on Australian Survivor Channel 10, but, uh, you know, I I don't mean to be all the time. It's also really good. (laughs) I don't think you're being negative, Ben, at all. I I think we're just talking about the the different styles of the game and that's what we're here to do this is asa it's an archives podcast everyone knows that so if we're not talking about it we're not doing our job one thing i do want to talk about is this brand new aurora camp how good does it look you've got good at those segues matthew good job (laughs) it's like we planned that right (laughs) i thought we better get back on track here because um that they turn up to their new Aurora camp, brilliant camp, looks so much better, looks so much better, especially than that, that dodgy Tapara camp where they're just in the dirt. The dirt but, people. Uh, yeah, the dirt people. Yeah. <laughs> you beat me to it. Um, but, um, yeah, I love how they've got the small boat. They, they walk in, the fire's already 
on for him. And they the, the, the shelter, it's a small boat, like a, a dinghy, and it's up on an angle, and they've got like a, uh, like a big barrel sort of holding it up. It already, it just looks great. Um, and there's a great confessional from Lance, and it's, it's not the actual confessional itself. It's the location. I don't know if you noticed this, but he's sitting on like a sand dune with this great backdrop. And it's just, it's, and then you realize, you know what, like Whaler's Way, although we've seen some dodgy parts of Whaler's Way that don't look great on camera, there's some magnificent views. And this confessional, and we see it later on um, in the episode as well, this one with Lance is just something that really stood out for me. It's yeah, on the sand dune with this backdrop and uh, he and Lance is talking about how he he's loving the camp and it's it's closer um, the the better shelter and closer to the uh, the ocean, um, but yeah, I just wanted to make point of that because it, it is it just shows that it was really some there was some great views from Whaler's Way. I'm glad you brought that up because there's definitely a few shots in this episode which I think really great camera work. Um, you know, sort of there's a few like uh, shots like in the challenge where they're kind of shooting it through like a, a hollow tree and kind of like it's framed very well. And, um, you know, we have talked, I think, a few times throughout this season about the beauty of Whaler's Way when it's shining and there are definitely some areas where it's really, it is a beautiful place. Um, and the camp, I agree with you. Like it's it's such an improvement and it looks fantastic. And I, and I like when we have a season where they go to a new camp, like I, like I, I also, like, don't get me wrong. I do enjoy a good debate. Like, Hey, where are we going to live? You know, Borneo had that with Targi Pagong, like which side shall we go to? And like, we've had it in so many other seasons, but I also kind of like start a fresh boom. This is what it is. One thing I just want to really kind of do a tangent and go back to a scene that I think it's very important to mention. Cause it's fucking hilarious. And it's Dick Lincoln at his peak is just the moment when he mentions the shower, when he's basically like, Guys, there's a, an important issue I think we need to raise here because, you know, we all know each other now, let's be honest. Uh, you guys are on the nose. You stink. <laughs> just fucking hilarious. Just like absolute dick licking. And then kind of we go into this whole tangent about you're going to have a hot shower and, you know, all these products. And let's let's just lay this on the line right now, Matt. Peak sponsorship this episode. I mean, between Lay's chips and Far Beauty products, like, I'm sold. Give me those Lay's and blather me up in the Far. I had forgotten. So this is, they've got back to their new their new camp, and then we see Lincoln again. Yes! This time he's walking <laughs> into camp. I forgot about this. How the hell did I forget about This is one of the greatest moments in, in this season. Like, he walks in holding... A, a, a little basket of beautifully of laid of out, chips. perfectly yeah, laid he, out. He's got a couple of packets of Lay's chips with him, with one obviously that they had pre-opened and put into the basket. He almost trips as he's coming in, and and then someone yells out, "Oh, don't drop the chip!" And then <laughs> it's just great. Like this is what I'm saying. We see so much of the Lincoln. He just turns up at the camp, and it is brilliant. And then they're passing around the chips, and then. Uh, one of them asks, oh, what, what, what sort of flavours are Lance. these? And they're it's like, oh. I was going to say that because, like, to me, and this is like, we need to remember this to ask Lance because I, I swear we will forget, but we need to remember this because, to me, that has to be one of these moments. Surely a producer has gone, okay, guys, like, I just want you to put this into natural because these are brand new flavour. They're only just out right now. Uh, this is a bit of an ad. This is a bit of a plug. So, Lance, can you say this following line? Oh, these are great. Uh, is this a new flavour? Yes, they are, Lance. It's sour cream and onion or whatever the hell the flavour is. 
Yeah, it, they said, yes, yeah, you're right. It's sour cream and onion. And then you got to listen. Karen, she says it off camera. You don't see her say it. Yeah. She says, she goes, I don't even like sour cream and onion. Yep. But they taste fantastic. <laughs> I'm just expecting there to like just cut to an ad like, these are the chip that you need to eat. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 I love this episode. But did I mention at the start of this episode, I love this 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 episode, this merge episode, oh, how good! But Lincoln at his best. But this this is you're you're so right. Like this is Pete Lincoln, and this just goes back to the point where it's like this guy is just like the, the cool dad. Like this is your friend. You've got him over in two thousand and two. You've you've loaded up the PS two, the GameCube. Like you know, you've whacked it in. You've got a couple of DVDs. You're gonna watch. I don't know, Dude, Where's My Car or I Spy or whatever the hell was out back in two thousand and two. And in comes Dad with a box of chips okay matt how is your buddy have a packet of lays go over your life have some solo fucking wash it down with some far shampoo go to town kids like this is just where it's so cool and like again i love a good merge feast merge feasts are fantastic but there's just something about this where like it just brings them together and then this leads into the shower which i mean talk about iconic scenes in australian survivor season one like this just and this is the thing like we're we're only what fifteen minutes into this episode right now, and just everything is just flowing and just going so well. Ben, you're forgetting the part where he gives them a mirror, and they go around. They go around and they get to look at themselves in the mirror. So he, he passes around the mirror, and they all have a bit of a look, and they're all like, ah, oh, no, no. And it gets to to Jane, and she kind of. I love this part. Before she actually looks at it, she like she t- takes off a hat or a bath <laughs> or something. And, Puffs up her hair a little bit, and then, and then she puts up the the mirror. Still looks just as good as she did on day say, one. She say. she's definitely one of these survivors. There are definitely survivors in history who almost look better dirty than they do clean. And Jane, yeah, no, I I, I agree. But but the best bit is when it gets to Shona. Yeah, and, and she, she, she takes chicken. I love, I love how she wears the buff around the top of her hat too. Mm. But I, love, I love it. But she takes she takes off the hat, and then she's like. She looks like a, just a young spring chicken. Yep. Just a pup. Yep. Oh, how could Shona? But I also, the thing too, like just with Lincoln as well, just going back to the cool dad, like I, I love how he like kind of sits down and is almost just kind of like, guys, yep, and tomorrow you'll be competing in your first thing. Like he's just, he's, and but this is the thing too, where it's like, it's very Jeff Probst Borneo because he's doing it in a way that the viewers are also learning as they go along too. So, and but look, I have to say it's done more subtly than Proats because Proats, if you remember in Borneo, literally was walking towards the camera and kind of giving it to us in a real, you know, narration style. Whereas this is just literally Lincoln going, "G'day guys, how you doing? Tomorrow immunity challenge. Have a chip. Good on ya. Let's go do some karaoke." It, and then he tells him, he goes, "Hit the showers." Yeah, you fucking stink. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, hit, hit the sh- I love that line. He's like, hit the showers. Yeah. Seriously, guys, hit the showers. You, you, you're really bad. Uh, now, now, Ben, you, you probably don't want to talk much about this next shower nah, scene, do you? Nah, Would nah, skip over it? Unimportant. Skip- don't know what we'd want to talk about with this scene. Um, look, this this is um, one of these scenes that I've always remembered from Australian Survivor Season 1. And just... What is not to love about this scene? Um, you know, you've got the the guys and the girls separated into two little sections. I love the set design here. Like, props to the, the, the set design here. Working with a very limited budget, of course. And, like, I do love that shot where you've kind of got the two barrels of water. It's got, like, H and C on it and that sort of stuff. You've got the most 
obvious product placement in the history of the world, this zoom in on the, the far deodorant and the far thing. Do you think um, Katie got into a bit of trouble later on when she says that Schwarzkopf feeling? Like, you know, is that the same she brand said, or? Yeah, no, she says that at Tribal Council. Yeah, I'm not sure. Was it the same brand? But you're right, Ben. This, this we know it was a low-budget production, but they nailed this scene. It and I'm, I, I'm, you beat me to it. I was going to say too, was it just me or did, they did an amazing job? They obviously had to build this shower, the the backdrop. This, if this was in All Stars right now, you you, you wouldn't, wouldn't realize that this was from a season from 20 years ago. Like, 100%. it's it, it's they could transform this straight into modern day Survivor, and it would still look amazing. So all credit to production on this. Amazing job. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And, I mean, what makes this scene even greater is that, like, it's just so much is brought around this with characters because, I mean, obviously we all know that the, the very famous scene here is Rob sort of dares Katie to, to do a nudie run for, for 100 bucks. She says, I'll do it for 500 She does it. Um, which actually, like, in all honesty, like, I remember this from the surviving survivor special where it's like completely uncensored you see katie fully naked but even like the way they've edited this like they actually don't blur anything out you kind of you, you see pretty much everything and i think when we eventually get to season two we're going to talk a lot more about how that was a little bit more graphic and in your face kind of with the nudity but uh we know australia a little less prudish when it comes to the nudity compared to our u.s counterparts when they blur a bum crack but um i mean it's funny it's great i like but like there's obviously one main bit here that we're going to talk to, which is just absolutely hilarious. But a couple of little subtle moments here I love. Like, I love um, uh, when uh, Shona's doing the whole bit when she's watching Katie's hair. And it's like, oh, your hair's grey. Oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> like, Shona is just such a clean freak. I love it. I love it when Katie's done a run. And then basically the first thing she says is like, oh, no, my feet are dirty. And then I also love the intersection with the uh, the confessionals when Katie's basically like, I did promise my parents the one thing I would do is not go naked. And then she's basically like, oh, I hope that doesn't come back to haunt me. Katie, it's 18 years later and we're still talking about it. So sorry to say. It's haunted you, but, but, but I love how she says, oh, "I t- yeah, I promise with parents I wouldn't I wouldn't get naked." But she's like, "Yeah, but five hundred bucks." Yeah, it's like, which I don't like, think oh, she ever got. I don't think she no, ever got. No. So five hundred bucks is five hundred bucks. But another little subtle thing I like when she does the run around, you look at the blokes. I mean, these guys they've been out on there for t- twenty days. If you, if you notice, um. Craig, actually, he's up on his tippy toes. He's trying to, they're all gawking. Yeah, absolute all gawking. Poor, poor um, Craig. He's sort of in the middle at the back, so he he's up on his tippy toes trying to get a little bit, little bit of a geese. You, 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 um, you, you see Joel and and Rob. He's really looking. He's looking the whole way. Like it's just, <laughs> and then <laughs> it's just a great scene. It's a bit of fun. Like there's no harm in it. Katie's all for it. Like it's not something where she's done without them knowing like she's she's gone knowing that they'd all be looking so that's what i like about this scene there's no harm in it like everyone was aware of what was going on and she's agreed to do it and it, it, it is it's something in history we're, we're still talking about all these years later and I, like it reminds me to compare it to the amazon sort of strip for peanut butter uh scene whereas so many of those guys up in the polls are like i'm not gonna look and then is it rob sestanino or somebody who's like <laughs> oh, i'm looking or something like that <laughs> Which, it's hilarious, but 
Yeah, let's be honest. We talked about Rob dropping some clangers in this episode. Um, you know, we've, we've mentioned several iconic confessionals already, you know, shown as tiddlywinks. Uh, we're going to get maybe the, the greatest confessional, of course, of all time in the final episode. But uh, when it comes to Rob here, just sort of comparing it like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a bit like all the old footy days, you know, in the change rooms and all that sort of stuff. And uh, Joel is a bigger man than I thought he was. Uh, yeah, actually quite impressive, really. <laughs> Everyone, let's be honest, Joel has a big dick. Yeah, that's what... And and from the sounds of it, Rob, you know, he was a professional football player. He would have seen a lot of dicks in his time. So if he's saying he's impressed, the man's impressed. Yep. Uh, I mean, look, we talked a lot about uh, over on the Oz Network during uh, Season 6 that uh, I don't think Sean Hansen was called horse because he liked equestrian. So, um Joel, uh, maybe the original horse uh, of Australian Survivor. So good on you, Joel. Well done. Um, yeah, big big man, Joel. Uh, but it's just it's just Rob. It's just the natural charisma of him that he just he just drops this in the middle of a confessional. It's just kind of like you know yeah like a bonding session, kind of like uh, you know back in the footy days. And yeah, fuck, Joel's got a big dick. Uh- <laughs> uh, it, it's. Yeah, it's a it's a great part of this episode, isn't it? And uh, I'm I'm glad we're still talking about it all these years later. The whole scene itself, the whole you know new new camp, the shower scene, all that, the nudie run. Uh, hey, it's funny though. Um, we see a lot of nudie runs now, don't we, Ben? Like in Allstar. I mean, you see you missed Lee out on that. We didn't get to see your it. bum yeah. the day after. Nah. <laughs> but yeah, it's right. Like we've seen multiple Zach nudie runs in both seasons now. Um, you know. Uh, Lee Castledine, that obviously um, he likes John, looking. It, like Lee's John's always, always looking at him, his, isn't he? <laughs> John's always showing his ass in all his seasons, but uh, but yeah, they have sort of veered away from any any of the feet showing. Even the bums are females now. They they're really. Um, it, it's funny how times change. They're they're more than happy to show the men and their bums, but they definitely don't show any female nudity at all. We got to see Shona's bum this season, so we're, we're pretty good. So Shona and Katie's bum, we can't complain. So, you know, we've had a good season so far. Um, before we get to the immunity challenge, I think there's some good stuff sort of in between here. Um, kind of what I was mentioning before about sort of Rob talking a lot about he's been intrigued to meet Craig. Um, sort of, you know, and there's a lot of stuff around Craig here. Craig's kind of that, that driving force. And clearly Craig's the one they want out. They know he's the threat, but they also do kind of like the fact that they're kind of showing people wanting to meet him. Um, we haven't really mentioned Cara in this episode, and it's kind of sad in a way because this is her boot episode. But Karen's a she's a bit of a sass queen in this episode because, you know, she she drops a few clangers. I do love the, the sort of confessional here where she's like, oh, we always thought that they were the dirt, dirt people until we meet them, but these people aren't civilised. <laughs> like, just the way she kind of just drops that is fantastic. Um, also, we get a few little bits here where Joel sort of wakes up and it's it's day 20. They're, they're halfway through. Um, Rob's little confessional where he's basically like, oh, you know, Jane told me that she wanted me to win, which I thought she was on Sophie's side. So kind of interesting there. Uh, Katie's uh, rice strategy. What, what does she write on that piece of paper? The rice plan? Uh, the rice plan, I, yeah. d- I do like that. 
Um, and then sort of a lot of people talking about how Craig's such a nice guy, like, you know, you sort of we get a bit of Kate. I This is one thing I actually really like about this episode because we know in about two episodes' time or even one episode time, really, that kind of Katie's just going to be so anti-Craig all of a sudden. Like, he's such a snake, he's such a weasel. But here, like, she's just smitten. Like, oh, he's such a nice guy and all this kind of stuff. And is this where she says, like, oh, if I got to spend 20 days with this attractive guy, like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be complaining. So it's kind of it's all <laughs> nice. And again, this is what Emerge does. Like, you're feeling these people out. It's like day one again. You're meeting these people for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. And we we see a shot with um, Joel and Naomi, and Joel, he's showing family photos to Naomi. So they're, they're, it's good. We're starting to see, okay, they're all they're, – they're connecting or they're trying to connect with these three Kadena players. So, you know, we can see that whether it's strategy or not, I don't think it was. It was just more that, you know, okay, well, they've spent 20 days – with these other people, so we've got three new people, but definitely Rob and and uh, Katie, like they're aware of these three players. Oh, they're, yeah. they're not, they're, they're fully aware. They're like, okay, they're new, great, we'll talk to them and all that, but they want them gone straight away. Hundred percent, and we're going to get some great stuff with them too. A couple other little bits I also love here is um, is it Craig who randomly they're just they're bonding and he's like, oh, I also love Phantom of the Opera. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, why not? We get some more Katie hating on the fish. Uh, I, I do love a good Katie screaming at the fish thing. Just the, Joel's family photo. It's just kind of an, it's a nice little weird moment. And is it Naomi? She she loves this photo. Like oh no, it's Karen. Says it's like oh, it's such a nice photo. And then we get a really classic Joel. We haven't had a Joel overly happy scene in a while. Like when she sees a fish, she's like oh wow, you got two. Oh wow. And then maybe to cap it all off here, um, Karen the cannibal because. We have Rob, who just all of a sudden is like, would you ever eat a human? And without hesitation, Karen's like, alive or dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's and not then, even a thought Rob's process. Like, uh, <laughs> Rob's like, uh, dead? And then Karen's like, yeah, nah. <laughs> so I feel like, alive, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, love, I love Rob's reaction. He's like, oh, shit, I'm yeah. dead, of course. Like, just, we're not going to be eating them alive. It's just one of those moments where it's like, there, there are questions you get asked in life where there should be a little bit of a pause for, you know, just not just dramatic effect, but like, so it's not disturbing. That's bordering, bordering on disturbing from Karen, where it's like, would you ever hear him? Alive or dead? Like, just straight away, without even thinking. And then we, of course, get um, Rob. And this is, again, subtle Rob kind of throwing Craig under the bus. And we're going to get more of this, but... Rob's moment where he's like, "Ah, oh, Craig, you've got some, uh, you've got some chunky thighs there. Maybe we'll have a crack at them." Uh, I, love, I do love Craig's reaction. Like, yeah, you can have a go. <laughs> oh, it, it, it is interesting seeing them interact, isn't it, Rob and Craig? Like, they're Craig's a younger version of Rob. Like, oh, they both got that yeah. charisma. They they both know that people are drawn to them. They're yep. both competitive, athletic. It really is. It's like the father and son of, of this season, and um, it would have been interesting to see them start off the game together. How if they if we would have seen more of that competitive nature against each other, but you know we get to see it for this next few episodes. It, it would be a very good point. A very good point, actually. To kind of see how they go. Like you know, are they going to be an Ian and Tom? You know, where they're kind of you know father and son, or are they going to be a Josh and Jeremy? Like where they're kind of you know alphas against each other. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's fascinating and it's kind of, you, you know, R- Rob is just so on the ball here. Like you said, sort of Rob and Katie, but like just Rob's moments where he's doing this, he's kind of, you know, making sure he's, you know, 
putting him at the center of attention all the time so people know, oh, look at how good his thighs are. Like, you know, clearly he's, you know, physical and all this kind of stuff. And we're going to get that very soon where Rob's, you know, not backwards and coming forwards. Like, oh, you won every leg today, Craig. You could win every single challenge. Like, it's just kind of like, you know, you're the, you're so good. Like, it's just, it, it's crazy. And also, actually, one thing I really like too is when they go to get the tree mail and it's kind of just Rob being Rob, like, what, what does he say to Karen? Like, oh, yeah, you can read it. Go on, Darwinian or something. Like, he she, he just kind of, like, you know, refers to her just because she's from Darwin. And just kind of, he's just one of those guys, again, that is just going to take something and, like, he's just very colloquial and just, he's just, he's just so savvy, this guy. He's just so good. Now, Ben, I'm going to come in here with what I do best. I'm going to read the tree mail, all right? So, the tree mail for the immunity challenge. The time has come now that you're one. Play for keeps. And forget the fun. To win today, you need the smarts to fit together all the parts. Elimination it will be for the one to win immunity. That would be such a fun job to work on Survivor and come up with those little rhymes. So fun. Did you did you read your tree? Did you even get tree mail? Were you around long enough, Matt, to read tree mail? Yeah. We never got anything. Well, for the time I was there, I never. We we just got told we we're going to a. Immunity do challenge they even do tree it. mail anymore in Australians? I don't think we there, ever well, see there it. Is, I mean, there was a tree mail there. It was sitting up on a on a tree about 20 metres from camp. But, I mean, obviously not in, in the two – shit, I was only there two days. The two days I was there, nothing was in it. I did see Stevie, sneaky Stevie. One of the first things he looked in was the tree mail, trying to find an idol. But uh, <laughs> I did. I don't know. Did it get used in my season? Do we, do we recall? It probably gets used once maybe in a season. Um I don't know, but yeah, we didn't. There was no rhyme. Like we didn't get something to say. Okay, what a possibility possibility of what the first challenge was going to be. We just had to go to it and the first, you know, see what it was, and that was the first thing we sort of knew of what it was going to be. But uh, and I do, you're right. I miss that about. Um, I, I wish we had something like that where we could read it out and work out what it was going to be. That's something I wish I would bring back. I need to correct ourselves, Matt. Sorry, it's not tree mail. It's challenge mail. We're in season one, <laughs> Whaler's Way. Um, I enjoy this challenge. Uh, I, I need to say these when I can because very soon we're going to be getting into some pretty terrible challenges. But, um, you know, I, I like this kind of leg stage where you've got eliminations and everything. And actually, one thing I'll say, I liked the tree mail, how it was like in pieces. They had to kind of form it together. But um, so our first part is... Essentially, you've got puzzle pieces to form a perfect square. Now, as a Thailand fan, as an advocate, this just reminded me of Tangrams, and I was hoping it was going to be a Tangram challenge. Um, so they've got to form a perfect square, and then basically they've got to get a rope and go to the next round, and seven of the ten uh, move on to that bit. And we also see the immunity necklace, I should mention, which is interesting i mean i like what they're trying to do there with the shark teeth but um let's be honest this just looks like they've just gone to the two dollar store in port lincoln and just bought something on the shelf <laughs> it it didn't quite get the effect that they were hoping for well it's it's about what six shark teeth on a piece of rope yep uh it it it, it looks like a fake idol you know to be honest yeah. it's like oh so some shark teeth have washed up on shore. Oh, we've got a rope that we've had lying around camp. Let's put it on and see if people believe it. Um, yeah, it, they could have made that awesome with the shark. I'm all for the shark teeth on it, but it very – which is disappointing because they did so well building that whole shower scene and all that. And then That's where they blew all their money. They, <laughs> yeah, it obviously took up all their time and money. And like, shit, we need a new immunity idol, individual immunity idol, and they've just chucked a 
few teeth on a rope. So, yeah, disappointing. But, Ben, I was hoping – I don't know what – you always talk about the worst challenge in history, and I'm not sure which one it is. Oh, you you'll know me. it when it comes. Uh, Trust me. I was hoping that you, can't you avoid wasn't going to – I'm hoping that you weren't going to refer to this challenge no, because no, no. I actually really like this challenge. So it's I. spot on. It's in four stages. Um, I love the fact that, yeah, in in the first challenge, three people get eliminated, which is Karen, Naomi, and Shona. That's during the where they've got to do the – it's about a five-piece puzzle. Um, and then, yeah, each, each stage, a couple of people drop off until you get to the final three. So I love this challenge. And I also love how each – stage leads into the next one so when they grab the rope then they've yes. got to use the rope for the next bit and then yeah it's, it's it's great it really is a great challenge and trust me no this is not you can't miss the bad challenge i'm talking about <laughs> matt you will know exactly what it is when you watch it um but yeah this is fantastic i do love in the first leg when uh katie's just there bagging out joel which is like oh look at joel he's so cross-eyed oh there he goes um, just, you know, bagging him out. But we lose uh, Shona, Naomi, and Karen in the first bit. Uh, the second bit, uh, we lose Jane and Lance. Um, and then in the third bit, we lose Katie and Joel. So it's uh, Sophie, Rob, and Craig in the final section. And even the final section is kind of cool because they've got sort of like a, a compass. They've got to find a flare, basically. And it visually looks fantastic. Basically, you've got to get the flare and run sort of Olympic torch style uh, down the sand and, and uh, sort of cross the line like the, the, the torch at the end. And Craig wins. He gets the start of his little immunity streak going. And again, this plays into that edit that we're seeing here that maybe Craig can do this. It's fantastic. And Lincoln gives him immunity. And here's that trivia fact that we're going to, you know, raise to everybody out there. Who was the very first person in Australian Survivor history to win individual immunity? It was Craig. Here he is. And there's one line that he says in a confessional after he wins. It's something that's always stuck with me and something for the whole, since I originally watched it, where he he talks about how he now, he knows he has to win every immunity challenge from here to be any hope. And he, he actually says, well, who says it can't be done? And it's just something that's always stuck with me. It's not a massive line or anything, but... It's just always stuck with me because we know this guy is in trouble. He, they, he, they all want him out, or well, all of the, the original Taparo members. He knows that, and he does end up going on this great run, not enough to get him to the end. But even at that stage, he's like, well, who's to say it can't be done? Yeah, exactly. Uh, absolutely. And again, like, so we get into post-tribal here, uh, sorry, pre-tribal, and sort of Rob drops that clangor of you could be the first person in Survivor history to win it all, and... Again, we, this is still such a fresh show. Who said it couldn't be done at that point? I mean, realistically, in the history of any version of Survivor, at least, again, I should say US, New Zealand, or Australian Survivor, I mean, we've only really seen it done. Mike did it. You'd argue Fabio did it. You know, kind of a couple who sort of went on streaks that, that kept them in the game and saved them enough that they went on to win. It's it's not something that is very common. But, you know, I've, I've always kind of been a... Someone who's argued this point, a lot of people will say, well, that's not a great strategy, winning every single challenge. Yeah, it's not a great strategy if that's all you're relying on, but it's still a, you've got a chance of pulling it off. It's That's why it's in the game. I mean, it's it's still there, so you have that opportunity to potentially do it. So, and who who's to say at this point that it, it was ever going to, it could have happened and Craig could have done it. Imagine, if, imagine this season, had Craig done that, he had won every single immunity and he won this season. You know, it, I think it would have maybe been received a lot better because it would have been this real underdog story. I mean, the first time we all saw Cook Islands, we loved it, didn't we? 
uh, because of that underdog story. So, you know, if Craig had to pull this off, it would have been incredible television. And I think a lot of people would have, you know, thought of this a lot more fondly. The next scene puts us on day 21 and we go back to the, the snoring. We, we saw that early on uh, with Jeff and how he was this massive snorer. But I actually like this um, scene because it's a little bit between Karen and Jane and they're accusing Joel of snoring and Joel's adamant it wasn't him. He's like, oh, he's defending himself saying, oh, it wasn't me. I was, I was barely awake. You know, I was, I was up. And, and then Karen, which you probably shouldn't do when you're – on the outs of a of a tribe, she looks at him and is like, "It was you, sunshine." Yeah. <laughs> and, and is this something about it? Because Karen, yeah, you know, maybe because I just love I just love the scene because Joel's animate. It wasn't him, and no one likes being accused of something that you haven't done. I just think she doesn't give a shit at this point. Maybe it just comes down to the fact that she knows she's getting voted out because she like she's just in such a you know sassy mood this episode. So I just I don't know about that. That that's what she's thinking, but um. Yeah, Jane, we haven't talked about Jane in a long time because just Jane's kind of just gone, hasn't she? Like, Jane has just turned completely invisible. Um, and sort of all we seem to get from her every now and then is, oh, somebody's snoring and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, Jane, Jane, not exactly, uh, the most prominent person in this season, uh, presently. But, um, one thing I actually do like, you, you talked about the camp. I do love when you kind of see inside that boat and you actually realize how big it is, kind of how they are in sort of this shelter. It's actually, it's kind of cool the way you, you sort of see them all laying out there and yeah it's just it's it, it is such an interesting camp the way it's sort of um you know laid out and everything but i mean this is obviously going to lead us into really the, the main focus here before we get into tribal um and now we mentioned before of course like rob's subtle little you know throwing craig under the bus and you know the bit with the night before when he sort of was talking about like oh you know you could win everything as i said and i do love the you know i think i mentioned before about how oh you won every leg in that challenge didn't you and then craig's kind of like oh yeah i did too didn't i like just kind of you know making sure everybody was aware of it but i mean one little kind of almost the i didn't come here to play tiddlywinks confessional from um shona in this episode is her you know like uh, the only thing that is certain in this game is that nothing's certain. And also, I do love that moment where she sort of talks about, like, oh, everything's organised by a committee and these are town people. Can we just point out that Shona went on to be on a council at some point post-Survivor? So um, I would have loved to have been on that council, or at least watch those council meetings if she doesn't like dealing with this type of uh, bureaucracy. Well, what I would have loved is, I'm going to say his name again, David Haas. David Haas, remember on Kadena, he hated the whole having to do things in triplicate and in by committee. So Shona's the same. She's got jack of it as well. So I've always got to mention David Haas, but it would have been great to see them team up because they obviously would have been on the same page of how this game should have been played. But uh, yeah, Shona always gives good confessionals. You know, she, she talks about how this isn't her, like her in Survivor isn't her in real life. Um, so she, it shows Shona's playing the game, and that's why she does so well in it. I do. I, again, I love that line of like, oh, they're just all town people. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. But, yeah, the, the crux of this episode, and this is just such great watching. And, again, it's just, there's so many layers to this whole sequence, and through modern lenses and, and old-school lenses, it's just there's so much to, to get into here. Kind of all starts off with Rob basically just a confessional where it's just like, you know, I didn't send Katie off to talk to them, but I certainly didn't say no. Uh, you know, Godfather Rob, the Rob father. He's the original Rob father. There he is, the Rob father, right here on his pedestal, basically saying this. And we get Katie off talking to the Kadena Three. 
and basically just laying out the law. This is this is Katie's law. This is this is what's happening. Basically, like you guys are fucked. You must vote for Lance, otherwise you're fucked. We're going to vote for you. And I do kind of love sort of the reactions here. So Craig, again, very smart, sort of you know straight away is like, oh, you know, I kind of thought that. Rob was the one in control, and then sort of we're getting a confessional from Craig there saying, like, oh, you know, sort of pieced together that these are the people that are working together, and he's obviously 100% correct. Um, I, I love Karen's reaction when basically it's like, oh, yep, so this is what will happen to you, vote Lance. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Great scene, yeah. But, like, one thing I have to say here, though, is that it is interesting to watch again from, because, like, Katie is fucked if this is modern survival. Like, like as much as we love Katie Gold and defend Katie Gold and, to me, top two players in Australian Survivor history, she does not play this well in modern Survivor play because if she's going to sit here and basically dictate you are going to do this, you, it's very much Garrett from Kagayan, and we saw how that happened to him. Like, you're gone. Like, you're going to have an upvolt against you. It's going to happen. But again, context. This is how the game was back then, and you can get away with this. I, I would say that Katie is a smart enough person that she wouldn't play like this now because there's, she knows she's not going to get away with this. But what, in hindsight, are these three people going to do? Now, obviously, catch-22 here is Katie makes it to the end. These three people are going to... Well, two of these people are going to be on the jury, aren't they? So they're probably going to remember this. Luckily for Katie... Karen's the one who only really reacts to this heavily and she's not going to make the jurors and maybe she knows that. But having said all that, I do think Katie actually does handle herself pretty well here at some point too because when it's brought up that, oh, I thought Rob was in control, like she does turn that quickly into Lance really well, like not even a hesitation. And then even the way that Karen's basically like, so you're basically saying that if we don't vote with you, you're going to vote for us. The way she's just kind of like, well, yeah, that's sort of how it's going to play. So it's it's almost, it's, it's like striking that fear. It's being a little bit, you know, socially cocky. But it's, it's there's just, again, so many layers to how this is. And I think it's so important to understand that, again, in 2002, this is sort of, you could get away with this. And this is how it was. And it let's be honest, it obviously works. Because we're going to get Karen at the end sort of saying... I have to make a deal with the devil here to advance my game. It's only Craig that is the one who sort of catches on here and goes, oh, hang on a minute. No, I'm not playing your game. I'm going to vote for Rob. So 70, what, 66% of this plan from Katie works. Um, Rob also is wiping his hands clean with this because he's not the one dealing with this. So Rob's, again, the Rob father and able to do this. So he's got his loyal soldier and Katie doing this. But at the same time, I also think like Katie's not necessarily just a puppet for Rob. Katie's the one almost dictating how this is going to go, and Rob also, in aspects, is just listening to Katie. So this is why they're such a great duo at this point and kind of the power couple that's just doing it. And they're also able to fawn off that power coupleness, although Craig's being able to say this is what's happening. I don't think he actually mentions that they're a power couple. He just thinks they're a group. So, again, so many things to dissect here. I'm very intrigued to hear your thoughts because I know this is something that a lot of people watching this today, having never seen this, they would be taking this a lot differently. I love how I love the part you mentioned about how when they question, well, what happens if we don't do, if we don't vote Lance, and what happens then? You'll vote for us. And Katie actually says, well, that's the deal. Yeah, she's making it. She's making it clear to them. This is the deal we're offering. Take it or leave it. But you're not going to get a better deal. And you're 100 percent right. I mean, Katie's. This is different survivor. Katie doing that then is fine. She, yes, she wouldn't get away with that now, and she'd be aware of that. But it's a numbers game. 
at that in that in that early survivor it's all about numbers they're fully aware that they've got the numbers and you've got to remember it's important for our listeners to remember it's all about deflecting votes off yourself because past votes can and will come back to haunt you a lot of people forget that it's different rules now we've got to remember it's important to remember past votes can determine a tied vote and this is why katie is doing it to make sure that herself and Rob don't have any more votes on them. Of course, Craig is aware of this and he's not going to be dictated to. And this is another moment what where we see Craig at his best. Like Craig isn't going to be dictated to and he ends up throwing Rob a vote, you know, at tribal. So it's a, it's a very important scene of the context of what's going on in that tribe and Katie and Rob's plan for the future. It's important to understand why they're deflecting votes off themselves. 100%. And it's also that contingency plan that we, we know that the first uh, Tapara person they're going to target is Lance. So it's kind of that backup plan, isn't it? That the kind of, you know, I'll get a couple of votes on Lance. So if all of a sudden the next tribal, there's a, there's a tie or something happens, you know, we, we've got it, that backup plan. And it's, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's smart and it's, it's cocky. It's, I mean, there's definitely flaws to what Katie's doing here. I don't want to sit here and say that I'm a hundred percent thinking Katie's been super smart here. Cause you know, as much as I'm a fan and I love the woman, I definitely think there are some flaws to this plan and, and we're going to see Craig exploiting that here. And I guess dropping a big bomb to Joel. And that's a very important moment because we know what Joel's going to do later in this season. So I think that, you know, the MVP of this moment is actually Craig. Craig plays this perfectly and to his advantage so well. The real winner out of all this though is Rob. And and I'm not just saying that. I'm not just saying that because he goes on to win the game. That's obvious, but he's the winner out of all this is because he knows what Katie's about to do. He, he knows that Katie's going to go talk to him about this exact plan. And like you said, like Rob says, well, go do it. I'm going to sit back and wipe my hands with it. I'm not going to stop you from doing it because at the end of the day, they're going to be on to you, not me. Yes. He ends up getting a vote out of it. It doesn't matter in the end, but Rob gets, gets to have Katie go and do all this while he sits back and, and wipes his hands with it. So, I think the real winner out of all this is Rob. Yeah, I agree with that. When I say sort of the MVP, I mean, I just kind of like that fall, I guess, if you're saying that. But no, Rob, 100%. I think, and this is the thing too, Rob denies it. He can deny it straight away. There's nothing that can tie him to this. Like, he's going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I think this is kind of that level of game where it's that, that super level of trust still because that's what happens here with Joel when Craig says to him, basically like, Katie is forcing our hand here and Katie's telling us to do this. And and um, Joel's basically like, you know, oh my god, like you know, swear, swear on your life, like you, you, you're joking, like you know, I don't believe this, um, and kind of like what what does uh, Craig say? He says something along the lines of, you know, you can if you're not on their on their group, you're screwed. Basically, he just says it, and like this is where it's so important again to put Craig and this this season is actually being ahead of its time because this is standard survivor now. This is kind of, you know, get out while you can. You're on the bottom. Like, think about your, you're in a tight alliance of five, but where do you fall into that five? And that's basically what he's saying to Joel right now. Like, if you're not in it, you know, you're screwed. And I've got to say, this this to me is that, that inkling in Joel's head 
that when he kind of makes that deal later on to help them get to the end, to kind of break up this five, to really solidify how this game is going to turn out and essentially break up Rob and Katie, like this is that moment. This is that seed that Joel has because we know Joel struggles with doing sort of the dirty vote and kind of breaking his integrity. We saw that earlier on with the Jeff vote. So this is such an important moment. And Craig just, just getting himself in there, getting into their heads of these people. And this is, this is where Craig is such an amazing player of this game and so ahead of his time. Yeah, I agree. And, um, it, it, uh, these next couple of episodes with Craig is this awesome. I mean, we really see what Craig was made of. We didn't see it early on in the season. We're seeing it now. Yes, it ends up being a little bit too late, but uh, yeah, this is the the transformation into him becoming this big player of this season. And you know what could have been if maybe his tribe were better and and got to the merge with numbers. I do, I do love the subtlety of. Uh, well, not really subtle. Let's be honest; it's it's clear as day. Uh, Katie and Craig flirting. When um, what what does Craig say? Like, oh, you know, we may be, we may have lost, but we're not stupid. Um, and then kind of the way Katie's sort of like, oh, you're so sneaky, and she's like, oh, <laughs> like just the way they're kind of like flirting with each other. I love it. It's so funny. But also, uh, can we just point out a quick little thing here on a side note before we get to tribal council? Um, Lance's uh, speedos are back. They're falling off, uh, you know. Do do like a bit of Lance bum. Was it just me? Or was there? Was this a bit of a random quick scene they put in here of just them at going and having a swim in the beach? You see, why not? Once again, you see, yeah, you see Katie and Rob sort of having that close relationship. They're in the water, splashing water on each other and all that. But I actually had a laugh when I saw they did the the whole Lance almost from top to bottom up with his. <laughs> with his DTs on, and uh, I know you're a big fan of Lance and his DTs on, so I had a little bit of a um, a bit of a laugh about this random scene that this sort of popped up before Tribal. But one scene I do love, which is directly after this, where they're walking to Tribal, you see it's a great shot. Big full moon. It's, it's, it's sort of just hit night time. Big full moon, and they're all walking to camp. And they've got the, with their uh, sorry walking the tribal with their torches, and they're all the torches are lit. It's a magnificent shot. Can I can I just backtrack a little bit here? Don't know if this is a lost in translation moment. Queensland versus Tasmania. What is a DT? Dick togs. Dick togs. Okay, I've never have you never have you never heard of this? No, I, I was thinking like Dream Team, like you're playing a bit of AFL fantasy or something like that. But um, no, I've never quite heard the term Dick Togs before. Uh, banana hammock, sure. Dick Togs, no. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, maybe it's a Queensland thing. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> I just assumed everyone knew what DTs were. Bloody banana benders, speak English. <laughs> Yeah, bloody, let's not do daylight savings and call them dick togs and stuff like that. And yeah, uh, interesting. All right, good. Uh, we'll be sure to bring up Lance's dick togs when it, when it comes to... Uh... But can I just say, equal opportunist uh, perv here on the Oz Network. Uh, not the Oz Network. What show are we on? The Australian, Australian Survivor Archives. God, ben, you clearly do too it's many It's yellow. Times. It's yellow. It's not green. Um, oh. Equal... Opportunity, perv, Lance, bit of a silver fox there with the uh, the old beard and the the DTs hanging over there. Like, uh, gotta say, Lance, you know, yeah, I, I, I'd I'd give it a crack if I swung that way, mate. 
Well, little does he know he's about to get a few votes on him, so uh, maybe he wouldn't have been so happy uh, on that beach just before Tribal. Apparently not. But uh, Tribal Council, I mean, not the most entertaining Tribal Council, let's be honest. It's a great episode, but, I mean, sort of not a whole lot to go. I I do like the moment, though, when uh, sort of Lincoln drops the whole clangor there about Katie. Enjoyed that shower, did you? Uh, (laughs) And then sort of cuts to Rob and sort of, you know, oh, I've got a bit of explaining to do for my wife. Um, so yeah, a little bit funny, but, um, you're missing one of Lincoln's best lines right at the start. He says, oh, it's a little crowded with the, uh, 10 of you, but, uh, don't worry. He'll soon be nine. <laughs> Dick Lincoln doing it a bit there. Uh, true. Yes. That's, that's what definitely one I, uh, I missed, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, like the other one, uh, Sophie sort of mentions about how a lot of people pay a lot of money to kind of do this, to lose weight. Uh, so that's a, a bit interesting there. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have a whole lot really to add extra unless I'm missing something glaring here. Uh, the only thing really sort of, as I sort of mentioned with Karen before, when we get the vote here, she sort of says like, oh, I made a deal with the devil to do this. You get Craig sort of, I, I don't believe him at all when he's like, oh, I don't know why I'm doing this to share in the votes. Like I, this is the thing. This is, this is what intrigues me about Craig. And I'm really hoping to get to the bottom of this is I just feel Craig plays this character where he kind of plays a bit naive and a bit sort of, you know, oh, yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing in that. But I I feel there's more to it. I feel Craig does know what he's doing. Uh, in all fairness, what he says, he says there's no particular reason, this is when he's voting for Rob, he says just sharing around the vote, it's almost like it doesn't count, but we'll see how it feels. So I think it's important. He knows what he's doing. He's chucking one on just to get a reaction out of Rob. Like, well, how does this feel, mate? Like, you might be in the power position here, but I'm just going to slip you a little vote and we'll see uh, when your name comes up how you feel. In the end, they don't even show that vote anyway. It's one of the two votes that they don't show. So it really was a waste. I, I, I just think, yeah, there's there's maybe a level to him where he kind of, like, maybe it's just, it's just that selling aspect. He's just that p- type of personable guy who can kind of, sort of play it off so casually that we we believe it and that he's actually really smart and going about it the the way that we think he maybe is deep down. Why wouldn't production show the vote? Why wouldn't the first vote they show is bang, Rob? Mm. Like th- there's two votes that they didn't show and that the Rob vote was one of them. I don't get that. I reckon wouldn't you want that that shot of Rob's reaction when like a first vote, bang, Rob. Like and then shoot, shoot to Rob and see his face. I that I don't get that. That's to me. That's every day of the week. That's the first vote Lincoln reads out. Yes, it's one vote. It doesn't mean anything. But you're doing it for the shock value. But they do show Rob's vote, don't they? No, not uh, no. Because there's two votes they don't show. As far as I'm, sh- I've written down here that they they show the votes for no, Lance. They, they and do the votes- show Rob's vote because I've written down Rob as the first vote here, and I'm just watching it right now. And the first one that he does hold up is Rob's vote. So ah. Okay, my bad. God, it's, it's, it's green, Matt. Don't you know oh. anything? <laughs> we, we both stuffed up in this episode. Okay, Yay. production, you're on your game. You're on, Good work. <laughs> Keep it up. You're doing well. <laughs> Jesus, you're stupid, Matt. How can you not see things with your own eyes? God, watch oh. it properly. Um, but, yeah, ultimately, Karen is gone. And I feel this is maybe the one episode when somebody's getting booted that we've talked about the person the least. But I mean, let's be honest, like besides sassy Karen, there's not a lot really that is shown of her in a boot. And 
she, I guess, goes into that uh, Survivor Hall of Fame as the, the, the first merge boot that's not a jury member. You know, she's the, the Jeff Varner, the Gretchen of, of Australian Survivor, kind of, you know, that, that person that's just, they get to that phase that you want to get to, but just can't quite uh, crack the jury. So, yeah. I have to ask you, Ben, we've just had the merge episode in Australian All-Stars, and the first person that voted out of merch also became the jury member, which was Lockie. What, what, what do you think of that? Just, you know, like we look back at the original, the first merge member wasn't a jury member. It's been like that over the years, but this season, the first member um, was still a jury member. I, I like it when the first person is not a jury member, because I think like it kind of, it adds a bit of extra element to it. It's kind of, it's, yeah, it's an achievement to make the merge, but to me, if that was me, I would want to like make the jury. I think kind of the jury is more of a, you know, you get a say in the outcome of this game. Like, yeah, it's great to make the merge, but you know, think about Varna when he came back on his two tries, uh, you know, and second chances and game changes, like, he was so desperate to make the jury, wasn't he? Like, you know, just to kind of get that because he just missed out so closely in Australian Outback. And, like, it, it just, I just feel like that would suck so much. Like, you've made the most, but you, you get forgotten about because, you know, everyone remembers the jury and you just, just that one aspect. So, but I like that. Like, it kind of adds that extra level of achievement. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was interesting that we were just seeing that in All Stars, of course, to date this episode. But, um, yeah, no, I, there's something about this style that I actually don't mind. Um, no, I agree. I agree. I like the fact that when you make merge, someone still gets voted out and doesn't make jury. Like you said, it's just that it's that extra panic that would be created amongst everyone because everyone's so desperate to make jury and they know there's one person going to miss out. So, um, so, yeah, I like the fact that in this case, obviously, Karen um, gets voted out and she doesn't make jury. Now, uh, just we'll close it out here and we'll eulogise Karen in just a second. But, um, you know, I do like Lincoln again, sort of at the end here, being a bit of the old, you know, caring dad, like, guys, tomorrow you'll compete in your first individual award, you know, head back to camp. Um, we get uh, Karen's final words, sort of uh, talking about it being absolutely amazing. The Three Musketeers reference that you sort of uh, mentioned there. And I do like her little line here that she drops. And I feel this is a clip that needs to be played over and over again to some of our uh, modern fans, where she's basically like, it's an honour to be on the very first Australian Survivor. I've got that written down. That's one thing I wasn't going to get mixed up. Um, and she sort of, the way she says it too, it's almost like it's almost like she knows that in, in you know... <laughs> 18 years time that they're, they're going to be doing an all-stars and not referring to her season. It's, it is, it comes across like she knew it was going to happen in the future. So a little reminder that, Hey, we were actually the first and it's an honor. And I totally agree with her. I mean, I've said it this whole podcast we've, we on ASA that to me, the, the originals are the, the greats, you know, they're, they're the ones that the very first players of this game in, in Australian you know, history. And um, it's an absolute, travesty that they're not respected or given the respect um i believe of the survivor community that they deserve as the originals i give them that respect it's a it's an honor when we get these people on to talk about them and it's it you know it's it's a little bit of a disgrace to be honest that um that they're they're not remembered as as the the ogs um because they are the ogs speaking of of remembering i mean i just current's 
bit of a struggle here to kind of really, I guess, summarise and eulogise. And it's, it's nothing against Karen. It's, I guess it's her edit. Um, I mean, she definitely wasn't the most prominent member when it came to Kadena. Um, I think that, you know, let's be honest, she's kind of like one of these stereotypical middle players of Survivor that sort of don't leave a super big impact of the game, which is a shame because I think kind of when we do see her, like this episode, when we get some sass from her, like I feel she could have been like one of those real snarky kind of Corinne type players who are just kind of just doesn't give a shit. Like, you know, she's kind of almost like a, a precursor to a Shawnee where she's kind of got a, you know, a bit of a soundbite. She's almost just doesn't give a crap, but kind of, you know, is, is likable along the way too. So yeah, I mean, she hated Jane. Um, you know, she liked to get voted for by David. Um, she thought people were dirt people. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. She posed nude um, before the game. Uh, cool. But, like, the thing is, too, like, she's a breakfast radio host going into this. I still believe she does radio. And, like, I just, she's not that stereotypical radio host to me. And I, I don't think we've ever had another radio host since on on any version of Survivor that I've seen. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Karen, what, what final thoughts on her? Well, sorry, Ben, is that a subtle reminder that, hey, you're a radio host and that, hey, it's time to do a uh, another host on the show? C- could also <laughs> mention that whole state thing again, but, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's been oh, a while since I've whinged no, about No, no, save that for a couple more episodes. Uh, but, yeah, now, look, Karen is interesting. I think, look, to be honest, she didn't get the best at it. Um, she she's in a she was in a tribe that got decimated and she didn't make merge so I guess limited screen time it didn't like they probably felt well didn't yeah these episodes are a lot shorter they're forty two minute episodes they're not like the ninety epi- minute episodes now so they're very limited to what they can show and they probably just didn't feel that you know they needed to show a lot of it but in saying that she still got a better edit than some of these modern players even in all stars are getting so I. She probably can't complain too much. She, like I said, she's getting a better edit than some players are in modern day Survivor. You got to look though at the other uh, first merge boot non jury members of that period, though. I mean, Gretchen, huge edit, big character, the first blindside in Survivor history. Vana, big character, you know, big dramatic tribal council, uh, and of course Africa, essentially, you know, around that period too with Clarence. So it's sort of, you know, you had three big characters at that point that kind of went out of that point. So, and again, like this is nothing against Karen. It's, it's not Karen's fault. I'm sure there was a whole lot more that we didn't see. But again, you've also, I guess, got to compare it to who who was around her. I mean, you know, David getting a big edit. You know, Sylvan. You know, is always going to get a Deb. You know, these people who sort of went before her, who were getting sort of, you know, better edit, better sound bites and everything along those lines. Even Naomi, who's going to go next week, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the episode in a long time. But, I mean, you know, Naomi's dropping a great bunch of clangers about bloody this and bloody shit, bloody, bloody, bloody. So it's kind of, yeah, she's kind of, she's almost just like that, you know, the the purple Kelly of this tribe in that she's sort of not seen a great deal. But when you do get stuff from her, like you kind of wish you were, you were seeing more of her, if that makes sense. And I also think, too, that, you know, she's got a unique name. Like, you look at that, you think it's Karen, but it's obviously not. It's, it's Karen. And also, too, the fact that they cast someone from the Northern Territory in the very first season is fantastic, I think. that And, like, this is not me literally bringing up Tasmania for the sake of it, but, like, Tasmania's got a bigger population in the Northern Territory. You would argue that you've got more chance of seeing a Tasmanian on there. But, you know, they ticked off the, the, the small of t- territory straight away on Whaler's Way. You know, we had both a, a cam, somebody from the ACT in the Northern Territory straight away. We didn't even have a Queenslander on this season, which we haven't even mentioned yet. So, uh, you know, 
know, you could be complaining at this point, Matt. No Queenslanders in the very first season of, uh, of Australian Survivor. So, and no South Australians either from memory. So, kind of, uh, you, you, for at least a small period of Australian Survivor history, you were on the uh, Tasmania train there. But, um, yeah, Karen's fine. Like, I've got nothing bad to say against Karen. I just sadly don't have anything brilliant to say about Karen either. I did like that storyline early on with her and David, though. I thought that was a good little storyline with David always sort of coming after her. And, um, yeah, and like I said, I think it's just the way the tribe went, always losing. They ended up – I mean, Naomi, she's probably got a better edit than Naomi, to be honest. We really don't see much of Naomi either. So um, I think it's just the unlucky part of the game is if your tribe's not doing well and there's other big characters – um, you, you're not going to get seen as much uh, on TV. I have to actually correct myself quickly. Uh, although she's referred to as a Northern Territorian on this uh, season, she actually was born in Brisbane. So um, Ooh. it's almost a Shane Gould argument well, there, isn't it? <laughs> and she's back. She's back living in Brisbane, Ben. So hey, look again. Maybe we have to we have to cancel this because I, you know, if I say this is not the case, then I I can't bring up my Shane Gould argument, can I? I'll, I'll tell you a little funny story just before we end this episode. Um, probably about six months to a year after after um, Karen being being on Australian Survivor, I actually I have actually met Karen just a couple of times, uh, just work related. Where I was working, she was doing some promo work, and um, yeah, it was a long time ago. It was about like I said, within six to twelve months after the show was um, was was aired. But uh, yeah, so she must have. I'm assuming she must have moved back to brisbane not long after maybe she quit her job maybe to we'll hopefully find this out from her personally but maybe she quit her job to be on this and ended up just coming back to brisbane and she was doing some promo work and i actually did meet karen and she's still in brisbane to this day so um yeah hopefully we can get her on and uh, in the future sometime and and chat about her time on the show uh, our good old friend Luke Dennehy and the Herald Sun uh, wrote of her. Uh, her pros were like former winner Tina Wesson. She's open-minded and adventurous. Cons might be too much of a physical threat to the other women. We didn't really get to see that, really, did we? She got a four-star rating. Can we just point that out there? She was uh, about third or fourth favorite here. Equal. Uh, she got the same rating. Naomi got a four-star rating. Funnily enough, too, actually. Uh, of course, Deb got a four and a half star one, and Rob was the only one who got a five star rating. Uh, Katie also got a four and a half star rating, and Jeff got a four star rating. Have we ever mentioned that before? So uh, there you go. She was highly regarded. Uh, she actually was ranked higher than Craig uh, on Kadena. Uh, so there you go. Um, and just looking quickly here at the official guide, um, I do love here her phobia: scared of the ocean. But then she's put in brackets drowning. So I'm glad that they've uh, cleared that one up here. I do love these quiz sort of favourite things that really does date this book and this season. Favourite band, Paul Mack. Now, do you remember good old Paul Mack in the early 2000s? <laughs> Jeez, that's, I'd, have to look, I'd have to Google it, Ben. I yeah, think. Uh, but I, I do like some of her other tastes here. Madonna, Kylie Minogue, Savage Garden. Yep, I'm, on, I'm, I'm down with you there, Karen. Uh, her favourite sports team, not down with you here, sorry, Brisbane Broncos. Can we hear a big old boo there? I actually don't <laughs> mind Brisbane sporting teams, but the Broncos I can't stand. Um, and just looking at some of her other things here, if you were stranded on a desert island, she would like to be stranded with Professor from Gilligan's Island because he could make everything from everything or Brad Pitt. Yep. Um, why do you believe that you could be the final Australian survivor? Because I can be. 
Fair enough. What would you not do for money? Drugs or violence? Yep, okay. And uh, how do you think you'll cope being away? I will miss the bathtub, miss being amongst people who are not going to stab you in the back. Definitely miss food. I think I will learn to appreciate a lot of little things in life, but generally, okay, just. So there you go. Um, And apparently, John Travolta tripped her down the stairs in real life. Her most embarrassing moment was dancing on a stage in a nightclub to a grease mix. John Travolta, okay, it's in air quotes, so the not the real one. Uh, I fell down the stairs in front of the stage into the crowd, finally jumped back up. My shirt fell down. Luckily, I already had the next costume change underneath. So there you go. Ben. Matt. Paul, Paul Francis McDermott, who <laughs> performs as Paul Mac, is an Australian electro-pop musician, singer-songwriter, producer, and music... Remixer. I am familiar with him. I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he did that. If this ain't love, why does it feel? Why does it feel so good? I think that's him. It could be. I'm not sure, but I just thought it was important for our listeners to, um, yeah, we always cover all the elements of the on the archive podcast with uh, with all this. So I thought it was important. We now know. If you ever get a question of who is Paul Francis McDermott. It's Paul Mack. You know who I miss from the early 2000s Australian dance music scene? Madison Avenue. They were a band. Yes. Come on. They Just just on that, they were actually um, performing here about 18 months ago at the Eaton's Hill Hotel. Oh, and, uh, the esteemed. I didn't go to it, but I saw that they were advertising, so they're still around, Madison you, Avenue. You know, you've made it when you're performing at the Eaton's Hill bloody <laughs> hotel, whatever it is. So. I'll give credit. They do get some... Good performers there, but obviously ones that were Has back. Has Paul Mac performed years. there? Uh, let, stay tuned. Watch his <laughs> space. He may. I would laugh if he is in like a month's time. He's going to be at the Eaton's Hill Hotel. Oh, big big Survivor fan. Paul Mac loves it. Um, yeah. As for Karen, like you sort of mentioned it. Um, we don't have it lined up just yet, but we do hope to, you know, get her on the show at some point in the future. So uh, stay tuned uh, for that uh, because obviously we'd love to talk to Karen. Just like we'd love to talk to everyone. Uh, in the history of Australian Survivor, so uh, hopefully we can get that off the ground. So next week we will be uh, back for another recap episode, moving into episode eight, the preview for next week. It's all about Craig stirring the pot, so uh, get get yourself buckled up because it's going to be a fun ride, that's for sure. But we've teased a little bit this episode. We've teased a lot across on social media and all that sort of jazz as well, but uh, we're, we're very happy to announce we, we did it a couple of months back now a competition giving away these buffs that we've had made by the great people over at Headskins, these Aurora buffs, exclusive buffs, first time in the history that an Aurora buff has been made. Gave away a couple, great to have them given out, but we are now able to say that we have some remaining because we might have gotten more than two made. Clearly, Matt and I are wearing one right now as well. Uh, So we do have a very limited amount that we are going to be selling and we will post more details of this on our social media. Now, the cost for these is going to be a nice, simple price of 25 bucks. It's that cheap. That includes postage and handling. Unless you live in, like, Burkina Faso, there might be a couple of extra dollars. I don't know. We have to check with uh, our, our man, basically, with that one. But uh, if you're interested, check out our social media pages. We'll have the details of how you can get one. As I said, these are very limited. There, There is literally less than 30 of these made, so they will go like hotcakes. So if you, you want to own an Aurora Australian Survivor buff, please do get in contact with us. We can get one to you, and you will be one of the cool kids. You will be one of the people 
in the world that owns one of these buffs like no one else ever has. I'm actually interested to know how you know about Burkina Faso. I've actually been there. It's a little country in West Africa. Where did that come from, Ben? Not Most people don't reference Burkina Faso. Matt, Matt, I am... I am a man of many talents, and I don't think it's ever really been brought up that I am a, I'm a bit of a geography fan. I do love the world, and I used to rummage through atlases a lot. I am very knowledgeable on flags, so if I ever got on Survivor and there was a flag challenge, put me up. I will win it for you. Uh, and Burkina Faso is, a, as you said, a country in Africa. I, I know that. There's, I don't think there's a country in the world you can tell me right now that I've never heard of. So just, just subtle brag, but... Uh, you know, it's, it doesn't really come up that often on Australian Survivor archives, does it? We've never had Survivor Burkina Faso. Uh, maybe well, one day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna test my memory. Just we're getting off Survivor right now, but they, they might play Survivor in Burkina Faso. Who, who knows? I'm pretty sure Burkina Faso's original name was Upper Volta. Right. So that sounds very Survivory. Survivor Upper Volta. Yes. Okay. Here it is. Let's have a quick look. The former French colonies gained independence as Upper Volta in 1916. I travelled there like 14 years ago. I just remember, just as soon as you said, I was like, I'm sure its original name was Upper Volta. I wasn't there in 1960, obviously, but I just remember that's one thing. I spent four nights there, and so one thing I learned about that country is its previous name was Upper Volta. And and would you recommend a Burkina Faso vacation? Uh, probably not at the moment, only because um, there's still two missing tourists there, one Canadian and one from France, I believe, a female and a male that have disappeared there about six months ago, and they um, they believe that they've uh, crossed the Mali border now and they've been taken by some terrorists there. That uh, So, yeah, that's... Um, it was this interesting when you, I thought maybe you'd read that article recently. So maybe not quite now, but uh, maybe wait a little bit. Creating history in podcast society uh, <laughs> by becoming the very first Australian Survivor podcast in history to mention Burkina Faso. So do, you're welcome. Do they watch Survivor there? I hope maybe someone might. They they might. I, I I've never met someone from Burkina Faso. You have, uh, so I'm assuming yes. you met some people when you were there. I yes, don't think you just of isolated yourself for four nights. No, of course, of course. And uh, who knows? There might even be a fan over there that uh, watches uh, or listens to a, to ASA podcasts and wants one of these buffs. My new goal in life is to get a listener from Burkina Faso. So if you're listening to us from Burkina Faso, shoot us a message. I I tell you what, if you are from Burkina Faso and you can prove it. I don't want like some yes. person emailing me going, "Hi, I'm John from Burkina Faso. Give me a buff." I, if you can 100 percent prove that you are a, a Burkina Farsian, if that's the correct way of saying it, I'll give you a buff for free. They, they actually, um, they went there in the Amazing Race. Uh, I think it, the American Amazing Race, not not the Australian. I know we've had multiple seasons. You forget what's, you, who knows what season they are because they mix them all up now. You know, but uh, but yeah, they actually it was surprising. If uh, years ago they actually went to Burkina Faso in um, in the American Amazing Race, which was race, which is quite interesting. Uh, so maybe back then it was look everywhere in the world you can travel safely somewhere. So don't I never want to put people off traveling. You you can go to Iraq and travel safely in certain parts. People don't realize that, um, but just be careful. Except for Launceston, because no one should go to Launceston. <laughs> 
So just safety tip for you. It's been a lot of fun. We have spent more time talking about Burkina Faso this episode than we did talking about Sophie and Jane, so it's it's great. Uh, but we thank everybody for, for tuning in. As always, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram. We're still a long way off our 1,000 likes on Instagram. Might happen by the time we're like 80 or something like that. I don't know. But remember, of course, we get to that. Matt will release his uh, never-before-seen season one audition tape also we get to 500 he will swing on a vine because reasons uh and you can check out all our other social media posts on there we generally post every single day so uh keep up to date with that and we enjoy hearing from the fans we 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 read all your comments and everything along those lines we appreciate that you guys are enjoying the the product that we're putting out there as well so thank you that and also a special shout out to uh any of the former contestants that are listening uh we obviously appreciate you guys sort of joining us on this journey and, and sort of remembering uh back from your days or if you're a new australian survivor contestant sort of uh reminiscing from the uh the olden days as well the olden days what am i what am i like 18 this is like the 40s <laughs> that freaking old then um and as of course subscribe best way to get these to your device uh no matter what podcast service you use we are available on all the best ones and also some of the shit ones as well and if you're not on any of the ones that you think we should be just grab our rss feed and subscribe and you will never miss a single episode and of course remember leave some feedback on there we would love to hear from you there we'll be back next week as i said with our episode eight review until then my name is ben and i also am a big man and quite impressive my name's matt dyson and uh i'm gonna go eat a human Preferably dead. Who says you can't win every year to the end? I mean, it's a, it'd be an amazing feat, but I'll give it a go. That's why I'm here. It's almost set like Ray Martin's head. No. <laughs> no, Ray's never moves. Yeah. He left it off. And... There's one issue we need to talk about. And I think we've, we know each other well enough for me to raise this now. You guys are on the nose. You stink. <laughs> The shower was absolutely lots of fun. It's like being in a footy footy room with, with blokes and Joel's a bigger man than I thought he was. He uh Quite impressive, really. Look at the size of that one. $100. You do a quick nude run around this. <laughs> My parents say, whatever you do, don't get naked in front of the camera. Hopefully it won't come back to haunt me. <laughs> Before we met them, we were used to calling them the dirt people because they're just so dirt. I mean, it's not their fault. They're laying in a really horrible landscape and it's just not happening. These people aren't civilised. <laughs> I'm with a group of people who are basically town, town people, townies. I didn't send Katie off. I, uh, she offered to do that. I just didn't say no. What will happen then is um, you'll vote for Lance, say I'll vote for Lance, and Rob will vote for Lance or somebody. Why? Why? Because I guess it's in our advantage to have votes against Lance. Are you saying, though, that if we decide not to vote for Lance, that you'll vote for me and you guys? Well, that's what you want. Little things like that don't show on the You gotta be pretty sneaky. You are but... sneaky.
just a young spring chicken. Just a pup.